2: Hello, I'm Adam Hailing from Parts of Fun Known, and welcome to this month's No Rolls Bard special one-shot. What we're doing to basically keep the lights on in No Rolls Bard until the world gets back to normal and we can make No Rolls Bard season two as ever. No Rolls Bard is based on an existing system called Worldwide Wrestling, created by Nathan D. Power. let follow the link in the description to find out more about his work. And this month's special one-shot takes place in a world of Caped crusaders. Take it up, up and away, Tom.
3: Hello and welcome back to CBW, where the big boys are super boys. I'm Tom, head of publishing here at CBW, and these are our players. Hi, I'm Laurie.
4: I'm playing the library man who is the golden boy.
2: Hello, I'm Adam. I'm playing the Puzzler, who is the clown.
5: Hello, I am Luke. I play Dr. David
6: Danner, the giant. Hi, I'm Ollie. Guess who I'm playing? I'm playing Rick Thunder again. I'm a babyface and I'm a high flyer.
7: Hi, I'm Lolo Brow and I'm playing Greta Morph, the monster
6: right
3: let's do a fight for the last century the people of the world have been looking to the skies gazing up up and away as shining symbols of virtue collide in combat with malign monstrosities of the vilest villainy protecting the planet from certain doom meanwhile mortal men and women don masks and grab gadgets to keep the shops and sidewalks safe from a rogue's gallery of wrongdoers and reprobates preying on the public to further their own nefarious needs and far off in remote galaxies and eldritch realities the battle of good and evil continues as stellar forces struggle amongst the stars themselves now Deep below the streets of the shining city of Grappopolis, a clandestine clash of capes and criminals commences all under the sinister supervision of a malevolent mastermind. Watch as metahuman meatheads, melee for money, brawl bad guys into the bald fists of justice and jupe dashing do-gooders into their deadly designs. Prepare to be astonished at the spectacular exploits found only in the pulse-pounding pages of CBW. Marvel at the amazing action of comic book warriors. Welcome everyone to Comic Book Warriors and welcome to a special issue of Super Scrap. (gasps) Prepare yourselves as these heroic and heinous heavyweights clash inside and outside the ropes in the name of ideals, injustice, and identity. Our story begins in the arena itself, a large quadrilateral battleground surrounded on all sides by a grid of heavy steel ropes that reaches dozens of feet up and over the stadium floor. The metal crackles intermittently with a high voltage charge, as outside these barriers, an audience of the most elite and amoral of Grappopolis' citizens cheer and clap. At one end of the arena, a hinged section of steel swings open to reveal a metallic ramp leading deeper into the complex that the super scrap is built within. A voice rings in clear tones from the announce system, Making his way to the stage, hailing from Boston, Massachusetts, the giant, the beast, the preposterous outrage,
5: Frenzy! Boo. A mild-mannered-looking scientist is wheeled out onto the stage in a gurney, his hands strapped to the gurney itself, his body strapped. He looks sad, he looks despondent as five guys roll this gurney down towards, down the ramp, shocking him every now and again with like cattle prod things. They roll him down and they set him up, giving him a couple more little jabs, a couple of jabs with the uh, cattle prods. And then slowly and gingerly, they unhook the straps and let this mild-mannered man drop down to the floor to his knees, despondent, and broken, and uh, slightly afraid.
3: Making their way to the stage, hailing from somewhere in Europe, a Kate Stepping out from the doorway at the top of the ramp, you see a large, muscular, heavy-built woman, a whole skin is a very deep, deep, dark kind of almost ambery tan colour. Her hair, a colour which matches the skin perfectly. She's wearing a simple pair of lace-up boots, um, a wrestling two-piece, and gloves in each hand. She steps to the top of the ramp, looks down at you, and then takes one glove off one hand and one glove off the other. Lowers herself down to one knee places a hand on the metal ramp, and the moment she does, the polished, heavy-duty steel of the ramp spreads up and across her fingers, up her arm, up across her entire body until her entire skin is covered in hard, metallic, impenetrable steel. She clangs her fists together, smiles at you from teeth that glisten with metallic chrome, winks with a metallic eye, and then just starts pounding. Clang, 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 straight down the ramp towards you. Immediately launching into one of her signature moves, the stinging metal, which is basically a spear, and lunges at you. What are you doing?
5: Uh, I I am doing nothing. I'm just trying to protect myself as much as possible. In and what and way? Carrying away, just and trying to carry away. Are you, you just going to try and ball and up do, and yeah, take the hit? Just, just try and ball up and take the hit. And then hopefully, oh, after that, awesome. I'm then going to try
3: and run. Okay, so um, so basically, Dr. David Danner, mild-mannered, um, 50-pound soaking wet scientist, is just going to try and absorb the damage of like a, a, a six-foot-five muscle-bound solid steel powerhouse. Um, Very, very,
5: I'm very, very afraid. Um, so roll on David Danner's power. (laughs) I believe we agreed that was minus, it was minus one, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, that'll be uh, four. That'll be no, uh,
3: five. Five. Um, there is a sickening crunch (laughs) as this solid steel (sighs) body collides with the disappointing frame of Dr. David Danner. Um, something cracks inside you, you don't know what. Um, you, if the force of the impact knocks you back Goldberg style about, you know, three or four feet across the arena and you skid across the ground, um, wheezing, Uh Simul-Kate stretches her arms and legs that sort of makes a kind of metal groaning sound like Talos and Jason and the Argonauts and then she stands, squats and seems to get ready to do something else. What are you doing?
5: I'm gonna try and... <laughs> Just run! Just try and get out of the harm's way.
3: Um, so right now you are you are you are hurt and you are collapsed on the floor. So um, you can make a uh, you can either try and stand up or try and crawl. What do you want to do?
5: I'm going to try and crawl.
3: Okay, that's going to be another parallel. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, it's it's three.
3: Um, <laughs> Uh, s- squatting <laughs> down into a kind of ball shape, bending down on her haunches, so her butt's almost touching her heels. Um, a simulcate goes for another of her signature moves, the pile on, and basically leaps up into a standing splash. And crunch! Ugh. Her whole heavy frame lands on top of you once again. Something else oh. goes. Your, um, your flimsily repaired glasses, are the, um, that musky tape just gives way, man. Oh. Um, way to this woman's powerful frame. Um, and uh, she just looks you in the eye, smiles again. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, with your teeth, and says, Ah, "Come on! I thought you were going to show me your metal." <laughs>
5: this is my no gimmick. <laughs> I have no time for your puns. Leave me at be. I just want to be left alone. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, that your
2: dice rolls are puny. That's so <laughs> great.
3: Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, steel yourself for this. Uh, then he oh, raises an arm back and goes to punch you in the jaw. What are you doing?
5: Uh, an attempt at ducking. Um, that, that can be a work roll. Also minus one. And it's again three. <laughs> um,
3: like, uh, well, three is the number of teeth she knocks out with a hard cross as it connects across your jaw. Um, yeah, these, these, sort of, <laughs> these three very disappointing teeth are flung across the arena and <laughs> scatter and clatter across the, um, across the mat. Um, oh. she, she moves into, into kind of like an MMA mount position at this point and cracks her knuckles again with another groaning metallic creak. Uh, what are you doing?
5: I'm begging for mercy.
3: You need some iron in your blood.
5: Oh And she no. just goes
3: back for another punch. Uh, this time with a right hand across the other side of your jaw. What are you doing?
5: I'm going to attempt to get out of the way.
3: Um, how are you going to attempt to get out of the way? Ducking. <laughs> That's another work roll.
5: <laughs> it went uns- so well the last time. It's thing. been unsuccessful. <laughs> How but unsuccessful? Would, a, a six. I would, could I possibly use one of my re-rolls?
3: Which re-roll would you like to use?
5: <sighs> oh, I so sprayed. I don't want to use the character reroll. <laughs> I fear it's my only option. I'm going to die.
3: Winding up that punch.
5: And that would be... A hard no it's thirteen <laughs> Okay, um talk
3: us through what happens please <laughs> Dr David
5: As the punch winds up Dana collapses to his knees and starts to convulse and shake his body coursing with anger with fear oh. <sighs> No <laughs>
8: not again <laughs> <laughs>
5: This this form grows six feet in size. Shirt rips. A ginormous form of the man once known as David Danner stands tall above puny, puny metal. Uh, uh, I feel
8: uncontrollable rage
5: and the urge to smash. Yay! Um. What Very are you doing, frenzy? Uh, oh. So as the throw, as the punch throws towards to grab uh, the hand <laughs> and I just start to crush this apparently impenetrable metal and crush it with my hand. <laughs> oh, and then I am going to punch it back in her own face. So on your thirteen, that connects beautifully. There is a.
3: Sort of a, a discordant clang as her own fist connects with her own face, um, in, indenting ah. her nose slightly into a concave shape. But she stumbles back a few steps, tries to maintain her balance. Uh, that look of sort of cocky swagger disappears, and a look of confusion and surprise and fear is all you can see in her eyes now as she backs away. Um, she looks around and, uh, knowing she's physically outmatched, makes a run for the
5: side of the arena.
3: No
5: <laughs> I'm going to charge uh, at this puny insect uh, okay. and jump upon them uh, to like, just slam them to the ground. Okay, that is gonna be a power roll. Yes, it is, power, <laughs> and it is a hard
6: success. Oh my God. Whoa. And as Whoa. I go
5: to the mount, I am raining down unstoppable punches.
3: Um, Talk talk us through that hard
5: success, man. Talk us through the fury of Frenzy. So, it's just this ginormous hulking mass of muscle and just unstoppable, uncontrollable rage stomps forward as fast as... you don't expect it to be as fast as it is, but it's fast! And he jumps as high into the air as you can imagine, grabs this metallic idiot and slams her to the floor and then just starts wailing down punch after punch after punch. The Clang, clang,
3: clang. With every punch, another massive um, meat hook-sized dent is made inside the body of uh, a simulcate. And after maybe a dozen or so punches... um, her sort of, her sort of her screams of pain and yells of agony and metallic groans of despair um, suddenly <sighs> cut out and all that's <sighs> left beneath your fists now is just a, is a mangled mess of bent steel um, and still you're punching and screaming, what are you doing?
5: I'm going to grab her by the foot and I'm going to throw her as hard as I can and as far as she'll go. Okay, make a power roll. Oh ten, <laughs> okay. so just grabbing her by the foot and just swinging her, swinging her around my Ooh. head. And how how far is sort of like what's the furthest point I can um, d- throw her
3: directly upwards? I would say it's oh, at, least, would, um, at least at least twenty feet or more. Sounds perfect.
5: Whoop. Okay, flying up as high as I can into the air
3: like these, these incredible muscles of yours bulge as you fling this mangled lump of metal up into the air. It shoots um, straight to the very top of the arena, collides with the metal grid that encases um, the super-clash battleground. And as soon as it does, that electric charge buzzes through it and buzzes through the metal of a the simulcate. There's now a kind, of, uh, a kind of buzzing electric stream of agony as the crumpled metallic form combines with the electricity around the arena and then just,
8: mm
3: dissipates into nothing. Your winner, the incredulous bulk frenzy. The crowd cheer like crazy. They lose their shit for this um, display of pure animal ferocity. Um, And as they do, um, another sound emits from the speakers. It is a soft, almost uh, melodic tone. Um, So pleasing and calming and gentle and it permeates your ears it permeates your body and your muscles and you feel the raids just disappear <laughs> and disappear and as the tone comes to a close <laughs> all that is left in the arena is the frightened and confused form of Dr. David, Dana. And as you stand there frightened and confused, the um, the dull green chrome forms of the ring droids uh, approach you from the ramp and lead you back away into the deeper parts of this complex. Yeah, the arena goes dark for a small period of time and you hear the sound of uh, machinery and electronics and parts moving. And when the lights emerge once again, and the uh, amoral elite of Grapopolis have got their champagne flutes and their various forms of caviar and are ready for the next event. Waiting, ready, in the ring. Hailing from Puzzlevania, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. The Puzzler! Adam, please tell us what we see in the ring now the lights have come up.
2: You see, slightly off to one side of this arena, a Perspex box in which stands the Puzzler! Uh, he is clad head to toe in uh, black and white. He has puzzle pieces on his gloves, a puzzle piece hat. Uh, he wears a fancy uh, jacket that's kind of gridded like a crossword with a little uh, puzzle piece on the lapel. He stands holding a staff with a little puzzle piece on top. He super likes puzzles, guys. Get on board. Um, the rest of the arena is decked out like a chessboard and he stands and strikes his most intelligent-looking pose as he waits for his (laughs) arch-nemesis!
3: Making his way to the ring, hailing from Little Glossary, New York, the Library
4: Man! A huge scroll unfolds over the entrance ramp. Uh, On it, it just says, LIBRARY MAN! And bursting through on one of those ladders that they use to get books down, (laughs) going sideways along, is the library man. On the way, he rearranges all the signs in the crowd into alphabetical order. And as he steps down off the ladder when it reaches the ring, the first thing you see, a pair of sensible shoes. Blue plaid slacks a white shirt, rippling muscles underneath. Uh, in one large manly hand is a clutch is clutched a book. You can see that it's the dummy's guide to making an entrance. His biceps bulge as he raises it to his face, the spectacles perched on the edge of his nose, framing his face, which is all cheekbones and handsomeness. Uh, The book, the the glasses are framing it just as much as his immaculate hairstyle, which is somehow both sensible and sexy. He scratches at his chiselled square jaw as he considers the final few paragraphs of the book. He slams it shut with a flourish, and as he does so, an unnatural gust of wind blows up his cape, which is made of cardigan material.
7: How do you know about my Pornhub algorithm?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Who well, like a library? well, well, library man, my perennial problem solver. Are you ready for the latest chapter in this game of cat and mouse we play? Who are you? I. What do you mean who am i I am your arch nemesis the moriarty to your homes the chalk to your cheese i am the prince of puzzles the arch duke of amazement the count of confusion i am brian fuddle the puzzler but-
4: i'm 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 terribly sorry, I have no idea who you are.
2: What do you mean you've never heard of me? You've solved literally every single one of my crimes! No other superhero has fooled me apart from you! We're locked in a- in a titanic, in a cerebral battle
0: to the death!
4: Arch Arch nemesis? Yes. My arch nemesis is... Kindle, maybe, maybe Netflix, something like that. That's-
2: The sort of things that are taking people away from libraries. I've never seen you in my life. You're just trying to hurt me now, library man, and I'm not too proud to admit it's working. That's why I've arranged for you a series of fiendish little traps to test that intellect of yours and prove once and for all that I am the intellectual superior. I push a big red button, and there on the chessboard suddenly is a game of chess mid-play, but all of the pieces are hulking wrestling type warriors, these huge mechanical beasts uh, standing in a game that is almost done you can see some pieces are off the board uh, but there is an arrangement of pieces he says, this game is a mere few moves away from victory you have five moves five moves to, which, ach- to in which to achieve victory five moves of doom yes that's where i was going oliver five moves if you make one mistake then you will be checkmated and i press another button and A machine grabs him and places him uh, on one of the spaces and puts a little crown on his head. Your move, library man. Listen here, puzzle person. My name is The Puzzler.
5: I'm wearing (laughs) puzzle pieces.
2: Literally, everything about me (laughs) screams puzzle. If If you'd never met me before, the first thing you would guess would be The Puzzler because it's all, it's my fucking branding.
4: That may be Puzzle Man, but uh, (laughs) justice for you, it seems like the books you borrowed from the Puzzlevania Library back in 1995 is long overdue. I am, uh, what's ahead of me on this chessboard
2: So, um, you have uh, a bishop uh, up the board. (laughs) Oh, God, I did not plan this out visually. Um, (laughs) Let's say uh, two rooks are left on the board, one bishop, the queen, of course, and the king. And, uh, no, and one knight. Okay. Sure, make of that what you will.
4: (laughs) Yeah, make of that what you will. Uh, I am going to... uh, I'm just going to retreat into myself for a second. And there's just a, a moment of quiet as the puzzle man closes his eyes. Sorry, as, uh, as the library man closes his eyes. What are they doing?
3: And has a minor think. What's going on? Okay, so um, you can roll and look to see how well this goes. Uh,
4: that is a... That's a eight. Oh, shit. Go for it, man. Okay. So coming out of it, I go, I completely understand chess now. I am going to make a perfect chess move and take the Rook. <laughs> okay. the, the, one, the only one, that I'm guessing this would be the only one that is out of position. This is the only thing that is uh, not going to put me at checkmate. Damn, Absolutely, damn. You, you can keep going, you can keep going. Okay, cool. So oh, that's I success. am uh, moving up into this space. Uh, what else was on the board? There was a Knight.
2: Uh, one Knight, uh, one Bishop, another <laughs> Rook and the King. Okay, I am going, and they're sort of mechanical, right? Yeah, they're kind of like hulking, steam-powered monstrosities. Okay, I'm going to retreat
4: into
3: myself once more. Wait, and I just think...
2: What's he doing? This is, this is not how this was supposed to go! Because yeah! it's the
3: same puzzle, your eight will stand for this too. Okay, cool.
4: have got what you need. Fine. So I'm, I, yeah, I am uh, I'm actually going to walk up to the knight, and I'm rather than taking the position, I'm going to reach behind it to a switch and turn that switch off.
3: Um, just keep going, man. That's
4: a success. Just take us yep. through right how you solve this puzzle. Um, so I turn- I turn that one off. I then turn the next one against the rest of them. The queen no. takes the king. No. That's how the puzzle ends. This isn't
2: chess! You cheated! Cheated! Right, well, here, let's see you cheat your way out of- This one, library man, I press another button. Uh, The chessboard disappears and suddenly from underneath his feet erupts out of the floor, a huge um, conveyor belt leading into a gigantic machine. Uh, The library man is uh, strapped down to the conveyor belt with uh, several uh, kind of metallic tentacles he's held in place. And he sees the conveyor belt kind of moving into this machine. Inside the machine is a huge thing slamming down. Boom, boom. Boom! Uh, and uh, you can see just sort of that the piece itself is, uh, it, it, it cuts out puzzles. Uh, basically, you feed the cardboard in, it slams down, and it basically has cut out all the puzzle pieces. It says, well, you may have defeated my king and all of his horses, but after you've succumbed to this puzzle trap, no one will be able to put you back
0: together again! <laughs>
2: Be ready,
4: puzzled dude, because I'm about to throw the book at you! And I, as, as the thing is taking me in again, I just close my eyes and have a momentary think. What's he doing?
3: Uh, roll and look for that. Uh,
4: that is a 10.
2: Oh, for fuck's sake!
4: Take what us through that? how you solve it. Uh, as, this, as, this is, as this is going, there's a, there's a moment where I begin to sort of twist and turn my body, and I've worked slightly loose of my uh, bonds. As the puzzle piece bit slams down, I bend my body, contorting into the perfect shape for it to just miss me. And I come out the other side
2: unscathed. You, you've used puzzles against me, library man. Well, Webster's Dictionary defines the verb buffalo as to deceive, to outwit, or to baffle. With that being said, presses a large button on a remote control, and out comes this giant mechanical buffalo. You're going to have to fight my amazing pet. Good luck. (laughs) I'll fight a
3: buffalo then. Okay, fine. (laughs) Um, okay, so this buffalo comes just steaming towards you Clang <laughs> <sniffs> mm, 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 clang clang clang. Um, this first one is gonna have to be a power roll. I'm afraid that's fine uh, That has Not gone. Well, that's a six Um, <coughs> the buffalo collides its metallic body with your still like rock-solid Fabio-esque frame um, And now you are basically grabbed onto the horns of this thing as it charges you around the arena i um, trying to shake you off like a buck and bronco. What are you doing? I'm going to retreat into myself once more, uh,
4: have this moment of calm and see what comes out. Okay, that's another look wrong. Uh, that is a 10 again. Take us through it. Okay, so uh, from the front of the horns, I managed to flip over onto the back and as this begins to buck like a Bronco, I am in perfect form for Bronco riding this Buffalo. I'm, I'm beginning to, break it as I'm whispering sweet nothings in its ear, trying to break this buffalo like a horse. Uh, it begins to calm, and suddenly your metallic buffalo is mine. I stand in the centre of the ring atop the, uh, atop the metallic buffalo, and I say, I'm a library man, puzzle fella. We
2: restore order. Prepare to be dewy decimated. <laughs> Well, you may have left me flum oxed, library man, but uh, well, I don't, I, I don't have another puzzle. Hang on, I really thought that, I really thought the buffalo would do it. Uh, right, he just reaches into his pocket and pulls out a newspaper with a crossword in it. He opens a hatch in his perspex box, throws it at library man, saying, uh, "Do do that crossword, or I'll shoot you with this gun." Mm-hmm. Yes.
4: I walk up to uh, the puzzler um, and I'm, I say, I read, I pull out a book and I begin to read it. The library man pulled out his book to read a pertinent passage he thought the puzzle dude would like. He licked his finger to turn the page, both seductively and purposefully. He could tell that the members of the audience were wet with anticipation. But it was a cunning distraction and he just hit the puzzler in the face
3: with the book. Ah! <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, your, your book. Um, Collides with the, the perspex exterior of this safe box the puzzler is in, but your, your, your powerful Mills and Boone-esque muscles are, are strong enough to crack the perspex enough that something does hit the puzzler's face and send him um, staggering to the back of his, his small safe box. Um, you haven't, you've managed
2: to hurt him, but he is still safe inside it.
3: Uh, um, That's
4: devastating.
2: That's uh, just what I thought. All all brawn and no brain. By resorting to fisticuffs, you've you've uh, forfeited the argument is what you've done, library man. You may have won this day with your jockish, flabbergastly strength. But I'll be back. Oh, I'll be back and this time you will remember my name. And I uh, press a final button, um, a panel opens behind me and I scupper uh, away into the night.
3: Lovely stuff. Your winner, the library man. And the audience erupt in cheers and um, several people swoon at the sight of mm-hmm. you flexing and waving.
8: Yeah, woo! Woo, woo, woo. Flynn,
3: Flynn! That jigsaw fella was very weird. <laughs> and on that belittling casual insult, the action shifts to backstage, where we see a haggard, um, bruised, battered, and exhausted Dr. David Danner sitting in the tiny cell where he is forced to wait in between the matches he is placed into. And David's mind casts back. To the most fateful day in his life. Uh,
5: David, please tell us what happened on that day. The young man, David Danner, was considered to be one of the brightest minds in the world. A man who there was no mathematical equation he couldn't solve, no scientific problem he couldn't un-science. <laughs> he uh, was a genius. The smartest man in the world, one of his professors once said. He's uh, written many papers. He has published many a book. He was renowned for his smart and intelligence. But the one thing that he could never quite work out was why these meta-human beings were not using their powers for good to save and and fix and improve and so perhaps against his better judgment he began to work on a way to create the perfect metahuman the perfect hero he toiled away night after night we see you know him in his uh, his lab looking at papers writing equations on windows what smart people do and he, he mixing things into beakers turning on bunsen burners and uh, you know he, 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 he toiled night after night after night never getting any sleep drinking coffee injecting coffee in any way that he could just stay awake so we could just work just one more hour and eureka he figured it out worked it out. And he looked at this vial in his hand, filled with a blue liquid that he was certain, he was so sure, he was going to create the perfect creature, the perfect hero. But because he's been working on this on his own, there was no one to test it on, apart from himself. And so late one night, when everyone had left Dr. David Danner was in his laboratory and he injected himself with this serum. It didn't work. And he created a monster, this monstrosity that raged throughout Boston, Massachusetts, where he had gone to study, which is why he doesn't have a Boston accent. <laughs> <laughs> and... Huh. Avid. it's the only I could do. He picked that up. Uh, and this this monstrosity. But he found himself in the middle of a desert disheveled confused alone more alone than he'd ever previously been what he walked back to in boston was carnage a city that had been destroyed and wiped out there were just stories rumors of this hulking creature that had run rampant and he had these flashbacks these painful flashbacks in his head that it was him but it couldn't have been. Not, not, not Dr. Dan. The sp- no, it couldn't have been. And so Dr. David Danner has been spending the rest of his life trying to work out what went wrong, why, why he cannot undo what has been done. And he sits alone in this cell now. He's put back on his cardigan, he's adjusted his glasses. He can't bear the thought of staring at the rags that the frenzy wears they have so horribly and fiendishly called him, that he likes to try and feel as human as possible. So he stares at himself and he adjusts his tie, tries to fix his glasses, put on his favorite cardigan and just think, where, where did he go wrong?
3: And deep beneath the layers of uh, superficial civility of Dr. Dennis Cardin glasses, deep in the back of his mind, screaming, always screaming in unbridled rage, the voice of the beast, the voice of the animal, the voice of frenzy. And we cut back now to the battleground, empty, devoid of combatants, devoid of blood and damage, a still and quiet place, perhaps a little too still, the kind of still the air is before a storm. And then there's a shimmer, an almost disturbance in the atmosphere itself. And we start to see little tiny pinpricks of orange plasmid energy grow and intersperse, and tingle, and sparkle, and spread, and then, boom! a hole opens in the space-time continuum itself. And please tell us who falls through that hole.
6: It's Rick Thunder, Danger Zone Rick Thunder. The last thing I remember, I was back in the Old West, chasing Tim Quick, my sworn enemy. Cuts to the intro sequence. (laughs) One day, while fighting to protect 90s America from the evil mastermind Red Scare, Rick Thunder and his trusty wingman, Tim Quick, pursued a hostile aircraft to the Bermuda Triangle. Do, 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 Where Thunder and his Danger Zone jet flew into space time anomaly, transporting him to the year 3000. And then the Old West. Now stuck in the future and out of time, Rick and his new best friend, his own sentient Danger Zone jet, which then became the Ranger Zone horse, wrestle to find a way back home. Danger Zone, Rick Thunder. Episode 3, A Man Out of Time, Out of Time, appears in text at the bottom of the screen. And then Rick Thunder just looks. Come on, Danger Zone, we've got... Where is Danger Zone?
3: As Rick Thunder stands alone in the centre of the battleground, there is a vroom, 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 shvroom. And the... Hole in spacetime itself closes, leaving Rick Thunder alone in the centre of the arena. A voice suddenly rings out on the speaker, making his way to the stage. Apollo
5: Speed!
3: There is a a kind of buzzing hum and a a humanoid shape of um, red energy um, adorned with a kind of gold across the top where the head might be, uh, speeds out from the ramp, out across the stage, and heads straight for you. What are you doing?
6: Well, I don't know where the hell I am first. I just came through. I was in the Old West a second ago. I'm still trying to figure out where my trusty best friend horse is, Ranger Zone, formerly the Jet, Danger Zone. So I don't even think about it. I just... I just instinctively move.
3: Okay, so you can make a you can make a work roll for that. That would be with a work seven, seven, just about. Um, somehow your pilot's instincts um, kick in just before this sort of closed fist of solid energy um, whiffs past the side of your cheek, and this blur of movement, unlike and shoots past you. Um, you look behind again, and all you can really make it is something which seems to have some kind of humanoid form, but it seems to be made at the same time of just pure energy. It's sort of shimmering and buzzing, and isn't really staying in any single place at the same time very long. It isn't really consolidating into a, into a specific form, um, and it just lunges at you again. What are you doing?
6: I think back to my training as a fighter jet. In a jet, right now, if only I had my best friend Jet Danger Zone here with me, <laughs> I would roll out of the way, so I do a quick barrel roll to the left.
3: Okay, you can make a work roll for your barrel roll. That's an eight. That's an eight again, with uncanny reflexes. Only, only one of only, only belonging to perhaps the greatest fighter jet pilot in fictional history. You move out of the way again, and you sort of, as this sort of thing whiffs past you again, you just sort of feel this this sort of sense of energy coming off it. On the opposite side of the arena, this this form uh, waits again, like pauses, it sort of buzzes and shimmers um, on the spot, and. Starts to shake and shake and shake until it separates into uh, five different copies of itself, um, all identical, all shimmering, um, all shimmering sort of forms of, of red um, and uh, sort of gold adored energy, and they all shoot towards you. There's going to be a hard success need on this one.
6: I, I just jump up because that's where I know my I'm safe in the air. I I have my okay, jump.
3: I can't. Okay. Oh what? It's a
6: critical success. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: Unbelievable. Okay, so as these five Oh, he's not with
6: me, but Danger Zone is in my dice! <laughs> um, so as these, as these shimmering forms
3: of, of, of energy um, collide towards you, um, moving faster than the human eye, you haven't really been able to perceive them by sight before this. All you've been able to pick up, and basically, is just this idea of motion, and it's just been your natural instinct that have kept you safe. But as they speed towards you at an incomprehensible velocity, um, all of a sudden they seem to slow down. In fact, everything seems to slow down. And as you look up at the lights and look out at the cheering people in the audience, they seem to cheer in slow motion, and the lights are moving and blinking in slow motion. Um, You look at yourself, and your whole body starts to crackle with purple plasmid space-time energy, and you feel some kind of force spread through your muscles and spread through your bones. Your perceptions, your perception of time seems to um, slow down to a nanosecond and you are able to see this shimmering form move much more clearly. It's moving normal speed for you now as you feel your whole body also become lighter as you start to hover slightly across the ground. What are you doing?
6: Well, I'm having an interior monologue, so in a comic book (laughs) with a thought bubble, I go, gee, I think my journey through the space-time continuum has made science attached to me. I now have a bit of the speed force from the time tunnel in me. Golly. And then what I do is I just reach forward and wait for each of these members to come towards me and I flick them away with my super finger.
3: Um Yeah, on that critical success, you effortlessly do all that. These these things, these um figures of speed, um believing themselves to be moving imperceptibly quickly, just um it seems to be moving at a leisurely pace towards you, flicking away one by one by one. And as each one is flicked away, it dissipates into nothing until the last one um, collapses uh, against the wall and starts to solidify more as it does. It starts to take more of, a, um, more of a, a recognizable human form. You still can't make out much beyond the shape, but with your new speed perception granted to you by the space-time continuum, um, you, you can see a human form behind this. What are you doing?
6: I'm thinking about the science again, trying to fit in how this all happened in my head. And I think, God, the only, thought bubble again, "Uh, gee, the, the only way I can get past this unidentified person is to use my need for speed. And I run towards them really fast and I do a diving, twirling spear, if you can imagine that. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Kind of like a corkscrew spear. Um Okay, you can roll on work for that for sure. It's nine. Nine, that'll do it. Um <laughs> uh, if only you could do it in real time. Um yeah, your diving corkscrew spear connects with the body of this um of this uh, sort of shimmering red and golden form. Um and forces it back against the metal grid that surrounds the arena. Like the electricity, you know, crackles through it. A human voice sort of screams out in pain, you hear, I hate you
8: so much. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, disappears in, in a burst of electrical speed um, straight through the grid itself, straight up the ramp and into the back of the complex. Uh, a voice rings out um, over the speakers, your winner, the stranger from time
6: and the audience erupt in cheers. A thought bubble comes out of my head. (laughs) Hey, that voice sounded familiar. No, it couldn't be. I don't have time to think about that anyway. I've got to track down my best buddy in the whole time and space of time and space science. Danger Zone, formerly Ranger Zone, now called Danger Zone again.
3: Um... And with that, <laughs> uh, with that, the, the gate, uh, the, the door in the arena swings open, revealing the ramp and allows you to travel um, with great speed and grace up it, deeper into the complex in search of your best friend. <laughs> okay. Um, we now join the library man, sitting in a very sparsely but tastefully decorated waiting room. Somewhere in the complex where combatants are allowed to relax, rest, enjoy some light refreshments in between the battles. As you sit there, stoically, peacefully and silently, a look of, of calm serenity on your face as you disappear deeper into yourself. Tell us where, tell us where we find ourselves and where the library man, library man finds himself now so this
4: almost works like astral projection the library man a figure of the library man steps out from the body of the library man and it zooms off through the building through the walls up over the earth you can see the earth glimmering in the distance past the moon past venus past the galaxy everything getting smaller and smaller more and more of the sort of uh, the plethora of the cosmic world opening up before him until we find at the edge of the universe this cluster of planetoids and energy and uh, it looks like DNA in motion um, He his form flies in and lands and you can see that across the sort of surface of all of these planetoids and across the sort of weird energy links that bind them all together are shelves full of books. We've arrived at the Uh, The Repository of Cosmic Cognizance. (laughs) 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 The library man steps
3: forward and says, I'm here to return a book. (laughs) Um, The shelves themselves, uh, constructed of some unknown and unthinkable material, arranged in impossible angles, shifts. And change, and a little space appears, a little gap just manifests in between two books, allowing you to return the book and any other books that you borrowed from the library in order to outwit the puzzler. In your so these match. sort of yeah, so these sort of appear as uh,
4: spectral shapes in my hand. It's a uh, sense and circuitry which I use to diffuse the the chess pieces. There's. Uh, The Houdini how do it which is a a book on escapology that I used to get out of the uh, Used to get out of the machine that was going to crush me Um, And I just put these back on the shelves and and all is in order in the library once again
3: And there is something specifically You are here to research Something you do want to find out Um, So I'm I'm gonna go to I'm gonna walk up to reception
4: and ding the bell
3: Okay, there is a very, a, a very simple reception desk again, made out of, a kind of an almost kind of wet cosmic stone. Um, there is nothing behind the desk except endless infinity, but there is one little brass ring for attention bell in the center. And as you ding it, um, a door starts to materialize in the cosmos behind the reception and written on the glass transom of the door, simply the words, the librarian. Librarian, I need your help. There is a mm, sound as the doorknob turns and mm, a kind of interstellar hum as the door swings backwards. And behind the door, behind the frame, what you see for now are just the depths of infinity. Uh, I'm going to step through the door. As you step through the door, um, it closes again behind you with that same cosmic hum and the uh, Steve Dicto-esque swirls and angles of infinity solidify and form into a old, almost Victorian-style drawing room with a large fireplace and a large, comfortable armchair, a plush chaise-long sofa, um, some small bookshelves with a few volumes on them, a little uh, drinks cabinet made from polished oak and just the, the trappings of uh, classic uh, librarian refinement. And resting on the hearth of the fire is a large cat, a tabby British shorthair, grinning from ear to ear, with very long claws and a great many teeth. Hmm, that depends a good deal on what you want to know.
4: Listen here, Cheshire Cat. It's a good form for you, by the way, librarian. Very good. Back there on the planet, I I met a a man, a a sort of jigsaw person, a a board (laughs) games type guy. Something something to do with Kaplunk or something. I need... To find out who he is and what he wants. He said something about me being his nemesis, but I am fully aware that I have far greater things to deal with than this sort of, what I know, jumped up Connect Four dude.
3: <laughs> nemesis? Hmm. And for a brief moment, the form of the Cheshire Cat um, shimmers into just some mass of cosmic energy tendrils. Uh, so. Inconceivable, you have to shield your eyes. And then the shape reforms again. You find yourself looking at a tall, gaunt man with black hair, a thin, hawk-like nose, and steady gray eyes, wearing a tweed suit, a frock coat, an ear-flap traveling cap, and smoking an old black pipe. Hmm, a criminal, eh? Well, crime is common, but logic is rare. I oh, you might say it's elementary. Library man, a good detective knows that every task, every interaction, no matter how seemingly banal, has the potential to contain multitudes. Sure, but what I'm after is a
4: book. <laughs> like, I don't know, a, f- what, a phone book or like a sort of a birth register, something like that. It's just this, this the, the cosmic cognizance repository, it's so big I couldn't possibly go through it all in my, on my own. It'll take me f- to eternity.
3: Uh, the form shifts again for a brief moment, you have to shield your eyes from this, um, this eldritch brilliance. And as the light reforms, it is now sitting in the armchair with one leg crossed over the other. You find yourself looking at a small man in a three-piece tweed suit. Mm-hmm. He has, um, he's bald, and uh, bald on top at least, with a ring of white hair on its sides and a neat white beard. Ah, Zo. From error to error, one discovers the entire truth. And, and that, that is? Out of your vulnerabilities, will calm strength. Out of my vulnerability will
4: come straight. This is is all too much for me, really. I just, I want to just, you know, the way this works is I read the books, I get the powers, I do the good stuff.
3: Again, the light shifts now. (laughs) And the... uh, the, um, the, these tendrils of lights swell and become larger and larger and larger until they seem to dwarf the whole room, until the room itself needs to swell to accommodate this mass. And as it solidifies again, you find yourself looking at a colossal leviathan, a huge white whale with a deformed jaw, three punctures in his white fluke, and several harpoons embedded in his side.
8: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: this huge tail just
4: wafts in the cosmos. Now I understand you take forms that I can under I you know that I can comprehend because to look upon your true form would turn one mad But could you do one with at least like a proper working mouth?
3: (laughs) And again the form shifts and this time it becomes much much smaller um, until it's Consolidates into a sort of human shape and solidifies into the form of a gray-haired thin old lady with a twinkle in her blue eyes
6: Hmm. People with a grudge against the world are always dangerous. It's what's in yourself that makes you happy or unhappy. You're...
4: The thing is, you're talking in riddles, like this bloody... What's-his-face?
6: You know, the guy.
3: Mm.
4: Well, the one from earlier that I said about. Who is he?
3: This is all (laughs) I want to know! People are very much alike, really. But fortunately, perhaps... They don't realise it. This
4: is absolute nonsense, librarian. This
3: is absolute... <laughs> the room now oh, shakes sh- um, heavily. You find yourself knocked <laughs> off your feet as you feel an almost kind of anger coming now from the... Um, The force of the librarian. And this former soldier woman now grows taller and taller and taller until you are towered over by the intimidating divine figure of a large woman with bluish grey eyes and dark hair. She has a fierce expression on her face. She's wearing an armor and a golden helmet, wielding a spear and a shield with the face of the gorgon on it, with an owl resting on her shoulder. You wish to be called righteous rather than acts.
4: I'm sorry about what I said, but if, <laughs> I feel like this isn't going to go where I want it to go, so
3: I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I'll leave,
4: I'll leave. I'll uh, go and, you know, Bill. Do, do Library
7: Manning.
3: Bill. And the voice softens now, and once again, the form shifts. Bill. Bill. And you find yourself looking at a beautiful brunette wearing a strapless corset teddy, a collar, a bow tie, and a pair of bunny ears. Now, this is more like it. Puts a hand on your shoulder and says, The truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. And then with a shake and a big burst of cosmic energy you are flung out of the librarian's office. The door slams behind you disappears back into the cosmos. The reception desk dematerializes and you are left standing alone in the cosmic library with no answers. When it comes to the issue of the puzzler, all you are left with is a great big question. We now return back to the arena, uh, high-voltage electricity crackling through the steel, which keeps the combatants contained within this uh, oh. fighting place. And a voice rings out from the speakers, making her way to the stage, hailing from Thunderberg, Sweden, <laughs> Greta Moore. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs>
7: first thing you hear is the deafening, deafening scream of, I assume, a pathetic human, um, and uh, the crowd gasps as a leopard walks up to the top of the ramp with a what can, looks like a man in a suit in the jaws of this beast. The blood is flowing from his assumed ripped throat and the blood is pouring down the ramp in this beautiful flood of blood and it's thick and dark uh the leopard throws the body to one side and you realize that they are a ceo of a very very famous oil company (laughs) and the leopard then with a flash and a wonderful purple poof turns into a penguin and then the penguin jumps onto its belly and slides down the blood.
8: <laughs> <laughs> all the way down,
7: all the way down. And then as it reaches the bottom of the, of the ramp, quick as a flash, turns into a giraffe. and just keels its head over the audience. And it's all very camp for a minute. You've noticed that every creature so far has always had this beautiful, intricate moment of purple. In the leopard, it was its spots. In the penguin, it was its beak in the giraffe, again in its beautiful splodges. Now, switches again, turns into a beautiful, beautiful butterfly, so wonderful and glorious and drops down into the ring and then poof, again, there reveals a fabulous, proper comic book badass with purple thigh-high boots, and leopard print type thing onesie all the way up to the neck, cape, because real super villains have cape, it. Uh, and um, it's uh, delicious and wonderful and dark black lips and purple hair. I couldn't be bothered to dye mine. It's always going to be green, so you're going to have to use your imagination. Okay.
3: And use our imaginations, we shall, as the audience <laughs> erupts in cheer. Despite the fact that the um, CEO you killed was one of their own, these, uh, these, had, these guys definitely have the appearance of the kind of amoral people who care very little about anything more than the blood sport they're watching and the success oh, that they it. reap every day yeah <laughs> making its way to the ring
7: it's
3: hailing from deep deep underground project 314. you hear a wet slap slap kind of like a noise S-R. as this this kind of amorphous mass, just a uh, sort of translucent, semi-transparent blob just shuffles out from beneath the, out from between the door frame and slides down the ramp, leaving a kind of trail of some kind of, um, some kind of uh, protoplasmic residue on the floor as it makes its way down. Um, uh, It looks at you for a brief moment or oh, seems to, as a sort of a shape on the top of its mass is slightly smaller and slightly positioned where a head might be. It seems to move towards you and just for a moment shimmer and ripple. And then standing in front of you is a um, very deformed, very unstable, still translucent kind of um, peachish coloured, goopy version of yourself blinking at you with wobbly versions of your own eyes which keep sort of falling back and forth, up and down, so they don't quite meet in the middle. There's a ding, 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 ding from the bell, and the thing just lunges at you and tries to engulf you in its dripping gelatinous mass. What are you doing?
7: Well, quick as a bunny, I'm gonna turn into a lionfish so that I can crawl inside its what I assume is fluid body, swim around and sting the fuck out of it.
3: Okay, um... (laughs) That is a look roll. That is full-on gimmick.
7: Oh, it's fallen behind the cabinet. Full!
3: <laughs> um, if, if it didn't land on the table, you get to roll again. But if any dice land on the table, they have to stay. You can only re-roll the ones that fell off.
7: I'm going to go get another dice because that's going to take too long. One sec. Oh, that's a ten!
3: Hey! <laughs> hey. Um, so t- talk us through how Gre- what it looks like now when Gretamorph goes from human form into clownfish form and how she makes her way inside this gelatinous mass.
7: Well, first thing that happens is that she just has the biggest smile on her face. It is just wonderful and glorious. And she just lifts up her hands, raises an eyebrow, snaps her fingers and a lovely puff of purple. And then turns in what she's done is she's timed it perfectly. So as the body lunges towards her, the fish is still like in midair when they've turned into the fish. So it goes straight into the chest. Um, And this fish has obviously got purple stripes.
3: And you, as you start stinging, you sort of see the, the substance of this thing sort of ripple and distort, and it, finds it it's finding itself harder and harder to sort of keep itself together. It seems to be almost reaching a more liquid state, and then in a moment it solidifies again, and you find the water around you or the liquid around you sort of leaving where you are, drying up slightly, and rather than swimming inside just a mass of gelatinous goop, you now find yourself in the mouth of what seems to be some malformed great white shark as it gnashes down your little lionfish body and tries to swallow you. What are you doing?
7: Uh, well, I slap my fingers again and then I'm going to turn into an elephant.
3: <laughs> okay. Just uh. be big enough
7: to snap that thing open.
3: Um, you can roll on, it's an elephant, roll on power.
7: Okay. Oh, that's a plus one. Uh, hang on, that's a eight.
3: And eight, uh, you, yeah, this tiny little line, line, just erupts into a massive um, purple elephant. And as it does, the, the substance of this shark just splatters into various pieces and gloops across the entire arena, like splattering across the floor, splattering against the grid. Um, but very quickly, it starts to slide back across the ground and reform again. As it reforms, however, you notice there is one thing distinct from the gelatinous mass of this creature, one thing which is not just this kind of peach-colored goop, a tiny little gray something, a little shining metallic something, Um, but it is soon subsumed in the mass as it takes shape again. Um, And as you remain elephant-shaped, it forms now into the shape of a rhino, takes a few steps back, starts tramping its feet back, and then charges towards you, Um, rhino horn first. What are you doing?
7: Well, Rhino's smaller than an elephant, so I'm just gonna button down, head first, and wait for that gooey little thing to try.
3: Uh, you could, if you have you want to brace yourself for impact, make a power roll. <laughs> well,
7: that's a six. Um.
3: Yeah, you, you, you put your feet down, you brace yourself, you try to take the impact, but this is an incredibly dense Rhino It is still a very powerful creature and it manages to knock you up, knock you off your feet enough that it is now pushing you back Towards the grid that surrounds the arena. You feel like the metal connect with your back You feel a sharp jolt of pain as the electrical voltage surges through your body and you're forced in that electrical moment to return to your human form um, You now have a, the Rhino sort of rears back onto its back legs and stamps it, its feet down to your left and to your right um, and is and Starts to change shape again. What are you doing?
7: I'm pretty shocked that that thing even tried um, Right, I'm gonna go for a tiny little sparrow and I'm going to try and fly up and then go beak first into their eye
8: oh, And just
7: furrow oh. in and try and find that lovely shiny thing that you're talking about
3: low, low, Ooh, low. I think that's such fine work. I think that might be a work role Yeah, you know it <laughs> <laughs>
7: Tonight. Hey. Tonight, hey. Um,
3: oh no. <laughs> yeah, you, you zip into the shape of a sparrow and then splotch straight through the goopy body of this rhino. Um, you know, you, you find you, sort of, your wings are becoming dampened and moistened by this sort of gelatinous scoop, which is just cloying to your form. Is, and the deeper you go, the more it just starts to cloy around you and the more it impedes your speed. Um, it starts to like smear across your eyes to the point you can't really see but you keep going deeper and deeper and faster and faster and Eventually you find yourself face to face with this little circular device. It's an almost perfect circle It is giving off these tiny little sparks of electricity and there is a a curved symbol on it in dull green What are do you doing? Okay.
7: Um, well, as it's all getting a bit tough for me. I'm a little sparrow. It's not the right shape So I'm just gonna change again. I'm gonna go for a naked mole rat <laughs> um, also known as the living testicle. Uh, and I'm just gonna burrow. I'm gonna just get that green thing and I'm gonna, I don't know why it's important, but I'm gonna put it in my little teeth and I'm obviously built for burrowing. So I'm just gonna claw my way back out and I'm gonna do it so I'm not just like going back out the way I came. I'm gonna go back around like through what I think is the stomach. I wanna do as much physical damage as possible on the way out as possible. Teeth, claws, everything.
3: Richard okay. Gear exit. So, because you're really <laughs> leaning into that mole rat burrowing, and they are some of the finest burrowers in the animal kingdom, you can roll and look for this.
7: Oh, thanks. Nine.
3: Nine. That'll do it. Yeah, you 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 take the charming form of the um the glorious naked mole rat. You manage to get this little chip um wedged because it's compared to your size, it's still quite large. Oh wait, wait, like, wait. Wedged.
7: I didn't add. It was look right.
3: Yeah. Oh ten. Ah, that's. That's a hard success. That's still lovely. Yeah You managed to get this thing wedged inside your your big buck mole rat teeth and you just start burrowing (laughs) through the goop Whereas the goop previously just cloyed and glommed onto your um, feathers this time your your perfectly smooth hairless body It's like water off a duck's back and you just slide like um, like shit through a goose I guess through this some through this body and eventually erupt out the side of it with a like a spark of electricity and like a little electrical whine with this little um this little uh, device in your mouth. Um, And as you land in mole rat form on the arena floor with this device inside you separated um, from the body of this mass that is known as Project 314, it starts to wobble and bubble and steam starts to come off it. And for a brief moment, a face appears amidst all of the goop, a face that appears in agony, um, that for a brief moment turns from a scream into a look of peace, and says in a bubbling, gelatinous voice, "Thank you." And then, <clears throat> just like uh, Senator Kelly in the first X-Men movie, nothing but liquid goop on the floor of the arena. your winner, the Greta Moore. <laughs> woo! Yeah, woo! The everyone's <laughs> been sick. <laughs> oh! <laughs> and as, as as they cheer, and some of them make hasty trips to the bathroom, very very briefly. Uh, the the dull green chrome of the ring droids approach you one of them comes up to you and says good work it's time for you to finish the job you started and they lead you back deeper into the complex We find ourselves once again backstage in the complex in which Superclash is built. And we find ourselves in a comfortable room adorned floor to ceiling with puzzles, jigsaw puzzles, classic games of chess and checkers and Othello, elaborate dexterity tests like Jenga, a multitude of brain teasers on every shelf and every surface. And sitting, his head and his hands on a bed, is the puzzler.
2: In the puzzler's mind, he can hear uh, th- multitudes of things, things overlapping on top of each other. Uh, He can hear an explosion and then he can hear a sizzle of acid. Then he can hear a gunshot. Then he can hear jaws biting down on flesh and it builds and it builds and it builds until he screams at the top of his voice, tell me who I am. He, he, He tries to organize his thoughts and he remembers. He remembers when he was a baby, being loaded into that shuttle by his parents, being shot off into space before the planet cryptic exploded and he landed in Ravensburger, Germany. No, well, no, no that's, um, that's something else. Uh, no, he, he grew up in an orphanage. Of course, because his parents uh, were killed uh, by, uh, by a, a random uh, puzzle designer and he swore that he would use that image uh, to spread a crime wave in Riverton. No, that's, that's someone else. Uh, of course. Of course, he he, he cast his mind back to Ace Puzzles um, Factory where he uh, was working as a mild-mannered puzzle uh, designer. He was the puzzle designer and uh, he, he just had his designs for this amazing puzzle stolen from him by the boss's entitled son. And they got into a scuffle on the gangway and he fell into a vat of puzzles. And he remembered bursting out. No, that's, no, no, he, no, his real name, is not Brian Fuddle, his real name is Peter Puzzler and he was on a school trip to a puzzle factory <laughs> when suddenly he felt a bite on his wrist. No, that's someone else! Um, he, 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 did he break into Professor Percy Uzzle's house and steal his puzzle suit? No, did, did, did he, did the pieces, did, did he, was he, no, his, his family, that's right, Ben, uncle, it's not Uncle Ben, it's Ben, his parents and him and Ben flew into space where they were zapped by uh, cosmic rays and they were changed in the most puzzling ways, no! Just tell me who I am. You have to know who I am. And he smashes the mirror uh, backstage. and the mirror just shard, smashes and the shards fall away. What once was whole is now just pieces on the ground. And I try and fit them back together, but I, I'm cut on the finger, and I look up at the mirror, and there's a, a shape around my face, the eyes a gun in the mirror, just two holes. And I realize,
5: of course, of course, what he sees. I've been blinded by these
2: puzzles. It's the glasses. That's how he knows. If I take them away, if I blind him, then he'll have no choice but to see me. Tell me who I am, ingenious, And I start sketching my brand new puzzle.
3: We return now, once again, to the arena where after hours of following glimmering glimpses of red and gold energy, after an exhaustive and emotionally draining search rick thunder finds himself once again back in the center of the arena where he started no closer to finding his best friend no closer to tracking down his arch nemesis as he waits in frustration and confusion the supertron above the ramp blinks into life there is on either side of this image the two Dull green, two dull green chrome ring droids who help facilitate the goings on at Super Clash. And standing between them, a shimmering form of red energy with a, a gold crest atop the form shimmers and buzzes and hums and solidifies until you find yourself, Rick Thunder, looking into the face of a young, blonde
6: haired, boyishly handsome man. Rie. Thunder! Who are you, and what have you done with my horse, Jet?
3: Don't you recognize your old friend? It is me, Tim Quick. Oh, <laughs> and he shimmers again in a burst of speed. Should I say Quick Tim? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
6: Oh, it is quick, Tim. I don't, I've been through so many time portals and seen so many different versions of you. I didn't recognize you. Plus, that accent is very similar to some other Eastern European characters you do. poor
3: oh, Reek Thunder, you and I, we were friends once upon a time. But now, now you have a new friend, I,
6: Well. Not anymore. What did, was it you who took my my horse, Danger Zone?
3: The management here at Super Clash were very accommodating to. There's the accent. Very accommodating to me when I arrived days before you materialized in the arena. Very accommodating, you see. They just want a good fight, and me, I want you dead. (laughs) Yes. Very accommodating indeed. And then the Supertron blinks back into black. Ready and waiting in the stage, hailing from pasts unknown, the time traveller, Rick Thunder. And the audience erupt into cheers for you, Rick Thunder, as you stand in the centre yeah. stage, glowing with the, green, uh, glowing with the purple plasmid energy of the space-time continuum. <laughs> um, you're welcome to bust a few moves or poses if you want at this point, or we can keep going. <laughs> That's lovely. That's lovely. Um, then you hear a, a, a metal clunk of a door unlocking and the, the hinged gates that lead to the ramp swing open and you find yourself looking up into the darkness of the large door that leads into the deeper part of Super Clash. Making his way to the stage, also hailing from pasts unknown, there's a clang, clang clang as two incredibly heavy metal feet step out and the large robotic form of a half robot half fighter jet leans down underneath the doorway and then spreads his form out on top of the ramp. The danger
8: zone!
3: No! No! Plank! Rick Plank! Th- uh, danger zone stands at the bottom of the ramp, moves his form through the gate again. He's standing in the room with you. He looks at you. Um, with his fighter jet robot face, um, his uh, the little sort of ambery pinpricks that we interpret as his eyes blink red and shimmer. Mission, kill Rick Thunder, and he immediately takes a swing for you. Um, he his his waist sort of goes onto like an axis, and he just tries to swing you with a big rotating lariat straight into you. What are you doing?
6: I'm begging to, to Danger Zone, no, don't you recognise me? Is there any part of you in there that still knows me, Danger Zone? So I use my speed to quickly dodge under that punch because I don't want to hurt him and I go over to the safety of the turnbuckle.
3: <laughs> okay, that's a work roll to dodge. And it's ten. That's a ten. Yeah, this this heavy fist swings into your direction but like quick as lightning. You shoot between his legs to the opposite side of the arena um, where what he his... his his uh, body continues to swing on the axis until he's facing you now with his legs facing one way and his body facing another. There's a big sort of metallic chunk, as his heavy legs move around on that axis. So he's facing you again. He takes a step back, um, squats a little bit, and then you see bursts of jet energy start to out from beneath his feet and he rockets towards you. What
6: are you doing? Well, I know that I used to ride Danger Zone. He used to let me ride him as a jet, as a horse. So I'm going to jump up at the perfect time as he comes to me and I'm going to land on his back and ride him again.
3: (laughs) Okay, that's going to be... Because that is so linked to Danger Zone himself, that's a look roll. What is my look? That makes it seven? Just about. Um, So Danger Zone rockets towards you, his pointy fighter jet nose almost about to impale your human frame and at the last moment in a feat of superhuman speed and pilot-esque agility you leap flip onto his back and get a good hold on danger's back just as he pulls up and starts to fly vertically straight up the side of the arena i'm straight towards the top of the grid what are you doing
6: wrestling for control of danger zone i'm trying to use my strength to open the sort of uh, the the fighter pilot area, the cockpit—that's what it's called. So I can get in and try and talk to Danger Zone directly.
3: Okay, that's a power roll to wrench open that cockpit.
6: Oh no, <sighs> it's one—an unnatural, <sighs> an unnatural fail. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Is that—that's that's a dirty
3: one, right? Not a critical fail. Filthy one. Um. So wh- yeah. Okay. So n- not a critical fail, just to be clear. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I'm relieved for you, Rick. Um. Yeah, you you pull and tug at the um, cockpit of the... uh, You put and tug at that cockpit on top of the jet and try to get your fingers, try to get some purchase underneath the point where the glass meets the metal, Uh, but you can't. It's it's, it's built and designed to keep the pilot safe um, and inaccessible during high altitude, high velocity flights, and you can't get purchase. Uh, Danger Zone veers right to the top of the arena turns upside down, and then barrel rolls. And on that fail, I'm afraid, knocks you off his back as you start to fall back down towards the arena floor. What are you doing?
6: I am using my falling momentum into the, the speed force, and I'm going to run and kind of create a tornado of <laughs> momentum <laughs> to, to, to trap the jet in so it gets sucked in so I can sort of non-lethally disable it.
3: Okay, that's classic Flash stuff. I love it. Okay, so um, that's because it's very much tied into your Speed Force abilities. We're going to go on and look for that.
6: Oh, no, it's four.
5: <gasps> four. Oh.
6: Reroll, man. You do have your yeah, two yeah, rerolls, yeah. remember? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to reroll because I want my best friend to... I want to save him. I want to be back with him because we could be the super duo of this town. Do I get a reroll? You got to re-roll, man. Re-roll yeah. that roll. It's so easy to get re-rolls. <laughs> it's a six. Oh, a six. oh. Um, I'm afraid not. Yeah,
4: hard to master.
3: <laughs> um, you you start to spin and spin and spin. Start to build up this kind of vortex. And as you spin around on the ground and sort of the, that sort of thin layer of dust that's on the arena floor to sort of um, maintain friction starts to cough up. Um, and then you sort of start to create this this, this bubbling, pulsing vortex of um, space-time energy with you as you go. Um, but Unfortunately, these powers are new for you. Um, and as the energy starts to surge through your body again in, in a previously unexperimented way, you just you just lose control of it and it dissipates and for a moment it sputters and you find yourself stumbling back and moving at for a moment normal speed. Uh, danger zone then, having finished Barringwell up in the sky, um, once again sort of loops around, does a a loop to loop until its nose is facing straight down towards you and goes right in for a hard nose dive. You know, boom, straight down from the top. What are you doing?
6: I, I just try and roll. No, no, I'm going to stay there and I'm just going to put out my hands to, I, to just stop him and hopefully it listens to me. I think about moving, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to put my hands up because I love you, Danger Zone. And I know, I believe that there's a little bit in there that loves me still back.
3: Okay, that's a roll-on look if ever I saw one. Eight, just about. Okay, so Danger is rocking down at incredible speed, but you sort of feel the space-time energy course through your body again. You start to see things in slow motion or normal motion as it rockets down towards you. Um, you see the speed lines whisking past its wings um, on an eight. For a brief moment, those sort of re- that sort of red glow of uh, the mind-controlled consciousness of danger zone briefly blinks yellow again and as it does um on the underside of the cockpit um right where the where the main engine storage um is i guess i don't know jets um you for a brief moment with your superhuman reflexes and perception see a little silver disc with a curved symbol in a dull green attached to it, just buzzing little bits of electricity. Um, Danger Zone's eyes go yellow. At the last moment, Danger Zone veers back up and shoots across the top of you to the other side of the arena um, and then reforms back into a robotic form and lands back on its feet. Um, And then you see those those yellow eyes go back to red again. As they go back to red, Danger Zone's arms start to retract inside his body. And as they release again, um, you see these holes, these little kind of... um, Circles open up across his chest just where I guess the um, the pectoral muscles would be on a person three on each side. You hear a rumble and Six stinger missiles launch from his chest heading straight for you
6: Or oh, bubble <laughs> At- I knew there was a little bit of danger zone still in there, and I think it might have something to do with that little spherical device on the side with the curved marking, but no time to think about that now. I've got to avoid these missiles. <laughs> so what I do is I jump up and I run off of each missile. Yes! Yes! <laughs> 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 okay. Towards danger zone. Well, and m- then I m- leap off the last one to d- going for this little device that's controlling them.
3: Make a work roll to see if you can do that. Mario West, like a plus of it.
6: one. Yeah, that's fantastic, man. It's it's
3: it's I it's can't do maths. It's eight. <laughs> eight. Okay, just about. Yeah, talk us through them and talk us through you hopping over those missiles.
6: Yeah, yeah, I just jump up and in slow mo because the missiles are coming to me, sort of in sequence, kind of creating stepping stones like so a run across in slow motion. I bounce off one, the other. They sort of fall away as they do and take out evil members of the audience. And then off the last one, I do a massive leap. To, look, looks like I'm going for Danger Zone's neck, but actually, I get it's a jet, though a, a mech jet, a mech jet neck, I'm going for the bit down at the bottom, <laughs> and I, I latch on to the, the device and start trying to yank it off.
3: Okay, so
6: um, make a power roll to tug that device off. I'm going to tug it hard.
1: <laughs> ah, three. three.
6: No, one. Um... A filthy one. Okay. <laughs> reroll, yeah. reroll, reroll, reroll. Yes, yes, I want to reroll because I believe in my friendship. I need to save my buddy.
3: But you have used your belief I've in got- your danger zone reroll. The other
6: reroll is do whatever it takes to get back to your own time. To get back home. Well, I can't get back home without my, my best friend. I'm not going to leave him here. A good pilot does not leave a man behind. Unless it's Tim Quick, he's a son of a bitch.
3: <laughs> I, I'm really taught him, man. I'm, I'm, I'm very generous with these re-rolls, but to be perfectly honest, that just doesn't quite tie into whatever it takes to get back home. That's a love for Danger Zone re-roll. Um, <sighs> hey, I'm really nice. This is because this. I
6: called you out for it on the last re-roll. <laughs>
3: <laughs> is it? We'll never know. <laughs> um, it's not. In all seriousness, man, that's a wonderful explanation, but that is full on. A believe in your best friend reroll that 's not whatever it takes to get home sure. and you, you, you try to tug that device off, but it 's latched on fast, like you pull, and for a moment it seems to separate from the surface. it seems to be connected partly <laughs> by some kind of magnetic force, partly by some kind of actual physical mechanical connection, um, but it just sort of buzzes back it sort of buzzes back as it does um, you see this sort of little uh, and, as it does this kind of uh, the electrical light just shocks back through danger zone 's body as his' eyes blink from a yellow briefly back to red again, um, and a little bit of like your um, Your sort of speed force stuff shimmers over you both, but the eyes are still hard red. Mission, kill, Rick, thunder, and Danger Zone grabs you with both hands, um, and just starts using his mighty mechanical fighter jet robot muscles to crush you. He looks you right in the eye with these glowing red spheres of unseeing obedience. Mission, kill, Rick, thunder. Mission, kill, Rick, thunder. Just starts crushing your body. You feel even with the new powers you've gained by uh, by combining slightly with the space-time continuum. Uh, you you feel like your body and your muscles give way <laughs> under the force of this mighty metal machine. What are you doing?
6: I'm just. I'm. I don't know what to do. I danger zone. I don't want to hurt you, but maybe it's for your own good. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start vibrating non-lethally again. I'm going to vibrate <laughs> using my really fast speed force in an attempt to make danger zone also vibrate and slowly dislodge the magnetic thing because I figured out that's how it's connected science. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disrupt the science to make the thing fall off. With the with the shaking. They do it in DC all the time. Vibration accounts for so much nonsense. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, make that look roll. Eight. Eight. Yeah, you start to vibrate and you Feel the vibrations in your body start to permeate and move into Danger Zone's body as his grip loosens. His arms start to vibrate and his frame starts to vibrate. And once again, the, the, little, um, the little tiny circular device attached to his undercarriage um, starts to vibrate too. You sort of see little sparks of this kind of electromagnetic connection um, spark off it. And it starts to become looser. Danger Zone's eyes um, change from yellow to red, from yellow to red, from yellow to red, back again. Kill, Rick, thunder, Rick, thunder, best
6: friend kill Rick. thunder what are you doing i'm still vibrating and i'm using his sort of temporary stalling mind to quickly burst out and dive for the device to punch it off <laughs> okay that punch is gonna be a power roll punch it off oh crap filthy oh. one again oh, oh my god no oh
3: you you lunge you lunge from it as soon as you lunge out of his arms the vibration immediately starts to leave his body and he knocks you back um cracks straight against the surface of the arena um the the wind is knocked out of you like with that powerful blow and um, with like your powers almost exhausted with the vibration you find yourself struggling to connect to the space time continuum you find your movements becoming slow and ordinary and sluggish again um, danger zone lands down on his feet starts stalking towards you his eyes are now glaring red the little thing attached still firmly to his chest uh, He is the um the, the, the Cells on his chest start to arm again, and one of his hands sort of turns into a nasty
6: looking blade. Mission kill Rick Thunder. Well, maybe Rick Thunder are prepared for this all along. Maybe Danger Man has a red star on his head to trick Danger Zone into thinking he's not Rick Thunder, he's Quick Tim Quick. <laughs> okay, that's gonna be a roll-on look to pull that off.
0: What? What? Ah, oh, three. Oh, oh, yeah, it
3: he's a sense. flawed <laughs> he's a flawed genius. <laughs> 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 yeah, Danger Zone's um bladed hand, briefly, ever so briefly confused by your appearance, just like grabs the tear off your head, crushes it in his hand into a fine powder, and just kind of sprinkles it with a sort of almost robotically sinister flourish down onto the ground, and the hand sort of reverts once again back into a blade. Um, and you are just yourself. Like your power's waning, um, all your tricks gone. The only thing lying on the ground on his back right now, staring up at the danger zone, is Rick Thunder, the man. Rick Thunder, the man. Maybe in the very last moments of his life, what are you doing?
6: I, I think of Julie Lovely, season one love interest, and how I, I might never see her again, and how I might die at the hands of my best friend under the control of my worst enemy and it makes me think no i will not give up here i will free danger zone and return to my own time by <laughs> again just going for that damn device damn device again
3: <laughs> okay um
6: it's a, a launch myself. Uh, okay i'm gonna launch myself at it but i'm gonna use the need for speed two which is where i run <laughs> round all of the sort of top rope I keep running round and round and round the ring, kind of like uh, El Phantasmo doing the ring walk, uh, a new school, and I jump off it using all that momentum to do the spinning spear. Um, okay, that's a work roll. That's a grand work roll. Yes. Eight. Uh... Eight. Um, talk us through that spinning spear. Talk us through the whole thing. I, I power up out of uh, the reach of Danger Zone and I jump up onto the top turnbuckle and I just run round and round and round and round the ring, which slowly sucks Danger Zone into the middle of the ring, and I leap off of one of them once I build up enough momentum and do a twirling corkscrew spear right into the device that's controlling it.
3: Um, and yeah, as so that's that is just an ape though, and your powers are waning. So you start to run around the you start to run around the arena. Um, like some energy picks up. Like there is a sense of, of, it, of it causing Danger Zone to be, um, uh, yeah, be, be drawn towards the centre to make them sort of more vulnerable to your attack. You do manage to muster just enough of the space time force to launch through the air. Um, just as the bladed fist of Danger Zone heads straight for your head, it is inches away from your neck, as in the last moment, you grab that device from underneath him, wrench it off, and the second you do, you hear a whoom and the red in Danger Zone's eyes goes gold and yellow. He pauses still for a second. Retracts his blade. Turns it back into a hand and reaches it out to you. Rick, thunder, danger zone,
6: best
3: friends.
6: I take the hand and I say, we've been through some weird times together, but friendship is eternal. Let's go and kick Tim Quick's sorry ass and on that, you hear a
8: no!
3: And leaping in a blur of red gold speed energy from um, somewhere high up in the arena comes the form of and Quick, collides with both of you um, uh, just in this explosion of red speed energy and like purple plasmid time energy. Um, like the device falls to the ground. And as the three of you connect, um, the energy around you starts to spread out and across into Danger Zone and across into Tim Quick and grow larger and larger and larger until the three of you are engulfed once again in this um, uh, rift in space-time and disappear from the Super Clash Arena once more lost time. (laughs)
6: Your winners,
3: Rick Thunder and
5: the Danger Zone. Amazing!
3: Woo! Always sentimental.
5: <laughs> Friendship <Okay>. is magic.
3: <laughs> um, we now cut back to backstage once again into the the lonely, sparsely decorated cell, um, where Dr. David Danner struggles with his colossal demons. The door, which has been remained heavily closed since the end of his last match, swings open and the light from outside casts itself on the wrecked form of Dr. Dana as two dull green chrome ringbots walk in. Dr. Dana, there's something you need to see. And they lead you out. one heavy, strong metal hand on each shoulder, out through your cell, out through the collected cells where the less willing participants of the super clash are kept, through the corridors, out, round, through, down the ramp, and back into the ring. Um, they release you from their gentle grip and make their way back into the complex and you are left alone in the ring with nothing but the audience and the now glimmering light of the Supertron flickering into view what flickers into view however is a security camera footage it is a security camera that monitors the elevator entrance on the secret sub-basement level where you performed your experiments Um, and as that elevator door opens uh, Lo can you please tell us who steps out
7: Uh, she is Very unassuming. Older woman um, wearing a suit um, and you actually recognise them. They are a wife of one of your fellow scientists um, and they're just dropping off wherever they need to drop off. You notice that they're wearing a fox stole but, but just before she wanders through you see the fox stole drop off her shoulder and morphs briefly into purple smoke into me for a second. Say hi. So the camera
3: now cuts from that view of the elevator door um, just to the other view of the same corridor, um, and we see two guards um, with assault rifles um, standing uh, on either side of a heavy-looking door.
7: On the other side of a heavy-looking door?
3: Yeah, just the end of the same corridor that the elevator came into.
7: Oh, okay, so I can see them?
3: You can see them, yes. Oh, okay. They can't see you at the moment.
7: Oh, fantastic! Well, I'm just going to keep that going by morphing in a lovely puff into like a chameleon. Just going to climb the walls, camouflage your way across. Um, I'm just going to go straight over their heads um, to the next door. Okay. So is... as you
3: approach the as well as David, as you see as you see this sort of this um this camera switch, you see this sort of figure, this sort of chameleon-like figure, just crawl across the ceiling, make the way to the door, and stop above these two guards with their rifles by their chest standing on the side of this heavy door, there is a, a metal grate above the door.
7: Um, so I am just gonna, quick as flash, turn into oh, I look like a lovely little milk snake, a lovely little milk snake, and just slither my way through the grate onto the other side.
3: Um, okay, the snake slithers through the grate, um, and then we cut to a, uh, a view from the, one of the maintenance cams for the air ducts, and see this snake just slithering through the ventilation systems till it comes to another red up somewhere further down the complex. Um, the, the view now cuts to a lab, your lab, empty. Um, your experiments and work just lying on the table as yet incomplete as we can just about make out the form of this little milk snake slithering out of the vent. Uh, what are you doing, Blair? Um, I
7: am slithering out of the vent, but I'm going to quickly turn into a very agile lima. Um, also super fun and super cute. Um, and I am going to jump from surface to surface and I'm going to reach uh, your very protected serum. There is no one in the room.
3: The room is heavily guarded on the outside, but the room is empty. You are free to do what you, or you're free to have done what you did.
7: I'm going to morph back into a Jaguar for fun. And I'm going to bite my own flesh and drip my blood into your serum, and then I'm going to turn as quick as a flash back into a lima and run back up to the vent.:
3: So the at this point, slightly more crystally blue um, serum are waiting in the center of your laboratory. Uh, just a few thick viscous drops of purple blood bloop bloop into it, and the color darkens almost imperceptibly as the figure of the gretamorph. Um, make exit. Is there anything else you want to do, or anything else that you did um, before you leave this lab? A stylistic flourish, whatever you like.
7: I'm resisting the urge to be like I turn into a dog and shit on the floor. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <all>. <laughs> but I'm not going to. I'm going to leave with just class because that's my number one feature.
3: Absolutely, and the camera lingers ever so slightly now um, on the experiment in the center of the table. And then the feed cuts off. The Supertron um, blinks back on uh, and you find yourself looking at the form of two of the uh, two of the dull green chrome ring droids who have this kind of sort of curved shape um, as they always do on their chassis. Um, And they're standing on either side of a test tube um, suspended in a kind of a stasis device, a test tube full of a um, viscous uh, purple liquid. Um, and the Ring Droid's voices say very clearly and very firmly Defeat the Gretamorph, and her blood is yours. Lose. And you die. Making her way to the stage, hailing from Thunderberg, Sweden, the
7: Gretamorph. I'm just going to enter as a flamingo because I'm feeling camp and I just want to wander down to that. <laughs> and then, just because I know the crowd love a gimmick and I know they love something fun, I'm going to turn into a platypus, because they're yeah. lost. And I'm going to just waddle my way into the lovely little, little thing, and I'm just going to, I'm going to and just morph back into myself very casually. I'm very happy about what's happening.
3: David Denner, you are now standing in the ring opposite the Gretamorph, a broad grin spread across her purple lips.
5: You. Ew. Yes. You ruined my experiments.
7: Well, technically, you ruined my plan, dear.
5: What, what do you mean?
7: You weren't supposed to be strong enough to survive, you idiot. Why,
5: why were you trying to kill me?
7: You were trying to, to control nature. It's barbaric. Stupid! No human should have any control or any power like this.
5: You, I was trying to create something good for this world.
7: Humans you, don't understand good.
5: You—you you have a power. You have a gift that you could do so much with, and yet you choose to kill people.
7: Only the ones that tend to fuck with the planet. The rest of them, admittedly for food.
5: I was trying to to save the planet.
7: I was trying to do good. And you're honestly telling me that you wouldn't have turned into what you are? A monster, destroying everything in your path like every human has before you?
5: I am not a monster. You. I'm the only monster I am is the one that you created.
7: Oh, it was in you all along, sweet pea. Don't ever deny that. No. No, it was good.
5: I was doing good.
7: Ugh. You need to be gone. Like the entire human race.
3: And with that, the bell ding, 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 dings.
7: I just wanted to be left alone.
5: I don't want to be this monster anymore.
7: Well, you're going to have to be. And as quick as a flash, I turn into my favourite jaguar, the one with the bite mark still on its arm. I'm pouring the blood into the thing. I get onto my little haunches and I go for a full-on pounce. And you know it's my favourite. I want to go for claws for the eyes, just to trade in.
3: How are you? We're going to do a contested roll on this. Um, How are you responding, uh, David D? To to, uh, push her off. Okay, so that is going to be. Not tag roll. That's going to be a a contested power roll between Hmm. a a nerdy man and a panther.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, five.
7: A natural twelve. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Oh, <no>. so, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so, David, you, you, you brace
3: yourself. Um, you brace yourself. You know, you squat your haunches. You plant your feet firm on the ground. You tense your muscles. You're ready to take this impact. And before you even know it, this blur of claws and fur leaps on you and literally claws out both your eyes um, in like an agonizing splotch. They just <sighs> pretty much explode in their sockets. Um, and you are left blinded, bleeding from the skull in agony on the floor as you're pinned to the ground by this merciless, merciless um, panther monster. What are both ah. of you doing?
7: Well, I'm just, just surprised that was so easy, but then I forgot how fragile man was.
1: <laughs> oh, well, in that case,
7: well, he's on the floor just cowering around. Um, I'm just going to take a moment to really enjoy this um, because my ego is at play. I'm a supervillain. I'm going to turn into a chicken and just be like... Oh!
3: Um, okay. Make a look roll to see how much of a sick burn that is. (laughs)
7: Six.
3: Six. Um, unfortunately, although he can maybe just about make out the sound of the chicken as the blood pulses through his head, you've just blinded him, so the visual humour is kind of lost on David (laughs) at this point. Um, David, what are you doing?
5: I guess I'm swinging
3: blindly? (laughs) Um, okay, that's going to be basically be a luck roll. That is just a, a literal straight 2D6 luck roll to see if you ran- manage to randomly connect with the chicken. <laughs> hmm. uh, it'll be six. Six. Um, yeah, a, a, a weedy fist whiffs past your beak for a moment as you're, as you know, you're doing that chicken cock, like just as you head chicken's back, the fist goes whoosh straight past the beak um, and you're left unharmed and you just sort of see this flailing form of this um, this blinded man rolling around.
7: Oh, while it's fists there, quick as a flash, um, puff, I'd like to turn into an alligator and just slam straight down onto the arm.
3: You're going to do like an alligator body slam?
7: No, 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 teeth. Ooh. The main bit of the alligator.
3: Ah, famous. Um, famous for the bite. Okay, that is... I feel like that feels like a power roll. That does feel like a power roll. It's just straightforward physical force, biting down hard.
8: Well,
7: Six.
3: Six. Um, uh, yeah, Alligators, famously huge, um, strong, powerful creatures, so much faster. and more, Faster on land than you'd expect. Um, mm-hmm. But not quite fast enough. And it's kind of like how it's hard to fight the Joker because his combat style is completely unpredictable. He's moving around so randomly, you can't really predict where his arm is gonna go. And just at the last moment, that flailing arm like whiffs out of the way and your <laughs> teeth clash, gnash down on empty air. What are you doing, David?
5: Uh, I'm still sort of wildly swinging um trying blood from my eyes <laughs> or where my eyes once were you can make another I'm
3: going to say you can You can make a power roll on this now rather than straight 2d6 awesome, um, that's,
5: that's worse
3: oh okay <laughs> um, because the one. alligator is big enough and close enough for you to hit, it's a question of you'll definitely connect, but will it do anything <laughs>
5: uh, it is a seven seven wow. the fist swings and
3: as, as the alligator jaws sort of snap together, you manage to get a hard clunk right on the nose. Um, a, I guess a relatively sensitive spot for a gator. Um, sending Gretemorph um, staggering back a little bit from this unexpected bit of pain. Um, what are you doing, Gretemorph?
7: Um, I'm gonna turn back into me for a second, just be confounded that he would even dream to book me on the nose. Um, so I'm gonna turn into a sausage dog and just try and get under his feet and trip him up. <laughs>
3: Um, So I guess as the blinded David Dana gets to his feet and starts to gain some sense of control, I'll make a look roll on that for that cute dashing move. An unnatural 12 again. An unnatural 12. I'm not sure how to make tripping someone up with a sausage dog sound spectacularly awesome, but I think it is maybe the greatest feat of physical comedy (laughs) that this audience has seen in a very long time. Um, They can almost hear the slide whistle in their heads as you... (laughs) Whiff between his feet and David then falls, boom, back onto his back again, um, having only just regained his balance It's um, how's it because go- he's blind <laughs> How's it going there, David? <laughs> um, you're losing a lot of blood at this point, a lot god, of blood Jesus um, you're, you're, you're definitely feeling weaker, you're definitely finding it harder to stand, harder to think clearly um, as, uh, yeah, as you're being humiliated by a cornucopia of crazy creatures
5: Starting to not feel like myself <laughs> <gasps> Oh god and to not feel like Dana no more. Oh Stand to feel more like... Renzi.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh. oh. Now normally oh. this would be something that is involuntary for Dana. Doesn't want to give in to the other guy. But being tripped up by a sausage dog. <laughs> being blinded... By the the woman who ruins not only my experiments, but my life, it means I have no choice but to become the thing that you want the most. Yeah. Unnatural. This is the most unnatural thing. It's (laughs) time to squash you like the buck that you are. Uh, And I'm going to dive uh, towards her with all the might and force of frenzy to wrestle her to the ground. The a stupid face, human face, easy smash. Uh. So,
3: as your body grows and swells with the unbridled muscular power and fury of frenzy, um, your biceps quadrupling in size, your
5: visor is <laughs> contorting into a.
3: <laughs> um, you it's
5: oh, sh- easy to rip. <laughs> i right, Mike Tyson. Try <laughs>
3: You lunge oh. at the Gretelmorph. That, that is a power roll right there, Frenzy.
5: Uh, it is 12. Pretty oh. oh. <laughs> 12, right? It's an unpretty 12, but it's 12. Okay,
3: He's then. Back. Just, yeah, you, you, you tackled that. Are you still a sausage dog? I,
7: I haven't. I, I would like to change, but I'm <laughs> still a okay. sausage.
3: If, if, if I haven't missed anything, you are still a sausage dog, right?
2: No.
7: so this this sort of eight foot we
3: tall <laughs> monstrous mass just full-on like spears this sausage dog moves <laughs> into a full mount and just starts like left hook right oh, hook left hook, right hook. the adorable God. little face of this purple sausage dog. oh no <laughs> we're getting a letter from petter <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah um what do you do as that first fist connects against your adorable little snout what are you doing grenomorph
7: Uh, I'm not surprised at all because it's exactly what a human does. Batters the beautiful nature around it. Um, I am going to try and morph into a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Cool.
3: Um, That is is a look roll, Lolo. Roll on look. Uh, eight. Eight. Sorry, I um, maths. You know
7: it's not my strong point. Um, that'll do it.
3: So well, so a heavy fist connects with this little sausage dog's pointy snout. Boom. Another one. Boom. And on the third fist, the snout seems to be a bit bigger and then a bit bigger. And those little tiny canine teeth seem to swell and grow into jagged, razor-sharp fangs. And before you know it, you're so blinded by the um, the red mist in front of you, Frenzy, you are hanging off the mouth of a colossal... Giant lizard punching <laughs> away at a skull that is bigger than you are, um, as this thick, wet, pointed Tyrannosaurus tongue sort of laps across your body. Still, still lost in the rage at this point, still punching uh-huh. away, but um, hanging, yeah, hanging, um, what, like twenty feet off the ground, across this colossal purple T-Rex. Um, so, uh, a <laughs> dinosaur, a challenge at
0: last.
5: <laughs> Uh, I am going to intend to uh, grab, you know, because I'm hanging on by the jaw, essentially to do like a Chris Jericho-style code breaker, but by dragging the jaw down. So I'm going to slam it down into my knees and then just flip this dinosaur over myself. But
3: you're going to, like, currently hanging there, you're basically going to try and force, while still in the air, the 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 head right down to ground level onto your knee. Yes. And then you're basically going to... Okay, man, that is... Do you know what? I'm, I'm gonna, that's, a, that's a fantastic move. Um, I'm going to definitely let you roll on power to bring it to the ground, but to pull off that code breakery trick, that's going to be a work
5: roll. Oh, I thought it might. Minus three, not strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> so the power roll first. Get seven on power yeah.
3: so just about you don't have anything you're not your feet aren't connected to anything you don't really have any purchase in order to pull the foot to pull the mouth down but you are so strong yeah just by the sheer strength of your biceps in midair you managed to get the skull of this gnashing beast down to ground level and onto your knee now the work roll
5: this had better be good <laughs>
7: it is it is good no, what are you looking
5: no. At? sorry i need to do maths quickly <laughs> <laughs> even with my minus three it is seven oh, seven <sighs> just about so you grab onto this jaw like you
3: wrap your huge meaty arms around the mouth holding it closed like you strain and strain the veins on your arms bulge um like your teeth start to grind against each other like froth and foam like pours down your um it's almost like a little bit of blood starts to come out of one of your eyes you're using so much strength on this then with a huge huge lift um and a a surprising awareness i guess of of, of physics and like g 2s technique you lift this creature up move its head swing it over the top of yours as this massive frame moves its tail dangling the air its feet flailing and then Boom! It crashes down hard on the ground on the other side. So much so that um, the, like, the whole arena
5: shakes under the weight of it. Like A couple of monocles fall out of the audience's eyes. Uh, I would now like to grab uh, the T-Rex by the tail. And I'm going to swing it around myself like Mario in Mario 64. <laughs> <This> is, yeah! <laughs> um, Gretamorph, your hand is up.
7: <laughs> no, I'm just, just, just disagreeing with you in general. There's not really much
3: um, part prob- No, bad boy. <laughs> um, okay, that is going to be a that's going to be a power roll for that
5: swing for sure. Uh, that will be. Uh, 6 plus 3
3: is 9. 9. So yeah, Bowser style, you grab her, grab her by the tail and just start swinging around, and around it's like a whoosh, 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 as you pick up speed, and then you let go, and like a Saurian missile, the T-Rex launches across the arena, clatters and clangs against the heavy-duty metal frame of the... Um, of the, of the arena or um, enclosure. Uh, once again that high voltage electricity buzzes through it, buzzes through the body of the Gretamorph and the electrical charge forces her to return once again to her human form. Now on the other side of the arena, the human form of the meta meta-human Gretamorph, is standing there facing off across the other side, the animalistic, bestial, primal fury of frenzy. What are you doing, Gretamorph? Uh,
7: I'm just noticing that I am in my human form. Um, I'm just gonna quickly run out of the way just to kind of get some thinking for the minute. Just gonna do a <laughs> casual run.
3: <laughs> um, just, I think if it's just a casual run, that's just gonna be a power roll, I guess. That's athletics yeah. check.
7: Thanks. Just gonna get away for a second. He annoys me. Uh, what's that? Six was oh that's ten. Sorry. Maths, fucking hell
3: yeah, it's kind of like that issue of Asterix where Vital Statistics defeats the champion by just running until he gets tired. Um, it's, it's going to be the reference episode, guys. And yeah, you, you, you manage to deftly keep out of the way of the big heavy sort of swings and lumbering motion of Frenzy as he tries to catch up the Unlander Punch. <sighs> You're too fast, too agile. I um, mean, at the moment he's just, he's just still like foaming at the mouth, still frothing at the mouth. Just pure bestial rage at this point. Yeah, what are you
7: doing? Is he still blind?
3: Um, no, his eyes... Once he turned into frenzy, um, like the eyes basically reformed. That kind, the last little bits of viscous scoop that still sat in the sockets just kind of reformed into these um, these sort of yellowy animal globes.
7: Oh, okay, cool. I thought he was blind. That's absolutely fine. Um, can I do a thing?
3: Um, yes, you. Well, um, you've, you've done your run, um, but yeah, we'll do, let you do another thing. Do another thing. Oh, yes,
7: that's lovely. I am going. You had two to... in a row, David. <laughs> I'm going to um find the fuse box of the entire arena quick as a bunny. I can see it in the corner of my eye because there is one fuse box for this entire thing. I'm going to quickly turn into an electric eel, slap it with my tail, and blow the entire thing. And the whole thing is in darkness.
3: So you want I to try. To and, so you want to try and basically supercharge the electric charge and the voltage around the arena to um, plunge out the lights.
7: Yeah, we're all doing science in this episode. Okay probably.
3: cool, that's a look roll. that's definitely a look roll. Not one of you has done science.
7: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that is eight.
3: eight. Um, that's enough to do it, yeah. Um, you, you turn into an electric eel. You're able to connect your, like, um, your biological charge to the electrical charge of this grid system, overload it. There's a huge blinding like white flash as the whole arena in the audience are, are lit up for a moment and almost shimmer. And then, whoom, the whole arena is plunged into darkness. You have about... You, you both. I um, mean, we'll take your action next, David. You both have one action each before the um, emergency lighting kicks in. So, David, what are you
5: doing? Uh, I'm just going to let out a deafening roar with the uh, the hope to uh, scare uh, 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 this person into a bit of fright, uh, and then just just start swing wildly. Okay, make make a look roll for your deafening roar. smack right. Sorry, one second. Ha ha. It is a dirty 12. A dirty 12.
3: It scares so, the lights back on. <laughs> it plunges into darkness. You're, you're still in your electric Leo form at this point, haven't quite time to turn into a bat yet. And from this almost primal darkness, you hear a roar, a bestial roar, so base, so innate, so animalistic. It is maybe one of the most purest animal sounds you've ever heard in your life. Whatever is in the darkness with you right now is no man, is just pure raging Animal. Uh, what are you doing?
7: Uh, I'm intrigued and see and understand, but also I'm here with a mission. I know he will never think really like an animal, he'll still always have the human stuff. Um, so I've turned into a snake, and uh, specifically, I want to say a brown snake. Um, and I'm just going to like sneak up on him and just bite his ankle. Hopefully, the effect of just poisoning him. Okay,
3: that's. Him. I would say that's sneaky. So we're gonna have a worker on this one.
7: Oh, oh mm-hmm. my gimmick! If I did a look and I changed. Not <laughs> arguing. I'm just complaining. <laughs> Four.
3: Um, four's that enough. You managed to slither over, bite the ankle, um, your teeth... unable. to Go for it.
7: Uh, I'm going to heal, Reroll to get what I want, which is to kill Banner. Dana,
3: thank okay. you very much. Okay, <laughs> okay. no, that's perfect. Go for it, go for it. I'm so sorry. Pewie, Dana. I, I'm really sorry, <laughs> darling.
7: Go for it, man. Um... Ah. ah! Eleven.
3: Eleven.
7: Ah.
3: Okay, so on your reroll, um... Specifically your reroll is to get what you want, which is to kill Dana your fangs I lied. Sind-
7: it's a 10. Sorry. I didn't miss, miss, miss <laughs> math.
3: It's still a hard success um, I know, but
7: I just wanted to be honest. I didn't like I... being the liar in the group <laughs>
3: um, No, I appreciate it. Um, yeah um, so your fangs Your fangs do still manage to penetrate the other this the this, like very hardy skin of frenzy go deep beneath the skin right into the vein and start to pump this incredibly deadly poison, um, through the body. Um, like your re-roll very specifically was to kill David Danner. And as the poison spreads through the bloodstream and spreads through the body of Frenzy, um, his superhuman monstrous physique is more than enough to take care of something as minor as this, but deep within, uh, whatever kind of physical remnant is still left of the frail human uh, david danner starts to fade and fade and fade um far far beneath the layers of screams and rage and unbridled fury the tiny tinny voice of david anna can still be heard and david you know you know that you were you know that this is, a, you know this is serious business. You know the poison is coursing through the body. You know the poison is powerful enough um, to wipe out what remains of you if, if you continue to separate your consciousness from that of the frenzy. David Danner, as an individual, cannot survive this deadly poison. What are you going to do?
5: David Danner wanted to create the perfect being. He wanted to create the perfect hero and in doing so, created a monster. Whether that was from interference or not, in some way, Gretamorph has a point. Perhaps this world is better off without the likes of David Danner interfering. With nature and so as much as he is trying to fight and trying to control this creature that CBW has named Frenzy the creature is just continuing to try and smash and it cannot be controlled and there is nothing that Dana can do about that So what are you doing, David? Dana concedes.
3: What is the last thought Dana has before he concedes his consciousness? Is that what you're doing? Conceding your consciousness to frenzy? What is the very last thought that goes through his mind? I'm sorry And that tiny crystal clear apology rings out in the mind of frenzy before it is Drowned in a deafening torrent of rage and fury and violence um, The emergency lights ooh, the emergency generators kick on um, the whole arena bursts back into light um, and uh, the audience Like burst back into, um, burst back as well. You could see everything as it was before the power cut, and standing in the center of the arena now are Gretamorph in her human form, and a somehow larger, somehow leaner, somehow meaner, more bestial Dana remains. Um, just pure fury and violence. Uh, what are you doing, David?
5: You killed Dana,
7: you didn't even like him.
5: Uh, So my aim now is to charge. My aim is to grab uh, Greta. My aim is to split Greta in two. That is going to be a power roll.
7: Oh, so your we would be friends. Uh,
5: I want to pull off. Uh, It will be six plus three, nine. That does it, man.
3: And so as the last remnants of Dana um, dissipates um, into the very depths of conscious oblivion, the hulking form of frenzy lunges swiftly, smoothly, neatly, like a, with an almost animalistic grace so different than the the blind thrashing fury we've seen before, grabs Gretamorph, once by one by the ankle, once by the head. Um, and what is, what is the last thing you say, Gretamorph?
7: Can I not turn into something?
3: Um, you can do a contested roll against that power roll if you really want to.
7: Well, I want to turn into a gecko, so he just pulls off my tail.
3: <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> so that's gonna be that's gonna be the look roll on your part against Dana's power roll.
7: Seven. You are split in two,
3: <laughs> 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 and the the whole. Oh, hang on, was- hang on, hang on! I've got a
7: monster reroll. Do something inhuman.
3: Okay. I've got to
7: survive. damn it! Seven!
3: Oh. <laughs> and again. <laughs> he tried. And you are just pulled apart in a splatter of purple blood and viscera. Um, and as, the, as it rains down on the raging form of frenzy, as he bellows a, a bestial roar into the audience, the audience throw their monocles, their caviar and their champagne into the air and cheer in a vicarious bestial rage of their own. Your winner, the beast, the monster, the animal,
5: Frenzy.
4: Wow. (laughs) Ding dong, the witch is dead. (laughs) I guess we've got a new witch now.
7: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, are you going to take over my my job?
3: We'll (laughs) see. It takes a while for the ring droids, the um, dull chrome metal ring droids with the curved symbol
5: on their chests to clear the stage. But, um, the, I just want to, as, as some of them come to try and uh, scurry me away, I am going to batter away a few of them. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some collateral damage. A few of them get smashed, um, for sure. That's <laughs> archery. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: as, yeah, the, the audience, you, you can see the audience milling around. I'm um, happy to hobnob and chat um in between the fights and eventually after a lot of cleaning um the stage is once again empty and the announcer's voice rings out once more making his way to the stage hailing from little glossary new york the library man
4: Ah. Bookshelves are wheeled onto the stage, uh, piled high with books. They explode outwards uh, as the books rain down upon the audience. They're all picking them up and gathering them as a library man steps through the smashed shelves. He makes his way to the ring, He's uh, taking the books. He's like going up to people with the books and he's stamping them saying, you can take this out. You can have this one. You can have this one. Someone's bringing one back to give to him. He's putting put some of them back on the shelves. He takes one off a little kid at the end and goes, this one's overdue and goes to find the kid and then goes, only kidding, gives him a little tussle on the head. And there's, <laughs> the little kid's mum looks at him and it's like, oh, that's really sweet and kind of sexy. He goes, no way. pros before hoes and gets into the ring.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and the the well-read Adonis that is a library man that stands, um, rippling an erudite in the centre of the ring, making his way to the ring, hailing from Ravensburger, Germany the Puzzler
2: From the ceiling, the <laughs> Perspex puzzle box slowly lowers down, containing a slightly more erratic uh, puzzler. He's, uh, he's you could see his eyes now, and there's something kind of slightly unhinged um, there. And he, uh, he, he grabs, or he presses the microphone button in his box, whatever, and says, library man, you and I are going to have some cross words. I have a wager for you, library man. You see, I'm, I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter than everyone here, and I'll prove it. I've worked out your little trick. I've cracked your little puzzle, library man. It's the glasses. That's what you use. You can't be smarter than me. They must be some sort of uh, encyclopedia, some sort of uh, index, some sort of device. Maybe you're being told something by a team of infinite monkeys. I'm smarter than you. And I will rob you of them. So here's the deal. You and me, we fight. If I win, I go quietly. Lock me in, lock me in prison. I'll give up my life of crime, everything. But if I win, you let me wear those glasses just once and you tell me who I am.
4: Now listen here, Mr. Monopoly.
2: God fucking damn it. This is not a
4: game you want to play. We could have settled this with diplomacy, but you have taken a risk. To think you can beat me in an intelligence game is Chris. These are the Smartium Spectacles and they cannot be removed from me by anyone. I am the only one who can remove these glasses. They were gifted to me by the Cognizance Repository, Cosmic.
2: Cool, boys! And I press a button uh, on our little pad and at, um... The back of the arena, this huge door slabs open, and an army of henchmen uh, enter. Let me introduce you to my puzzle pieces. Uh, Each henchman is wearing a bit of kind of battle armor, a little bit Iron Man-like, but each one is shaped in the form of a puzzle piece, and they surround you.
3: Ding, 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 ding.
2: Well, for whom the bell tolls, the match
4: has begun. I retreat into myself for a second, if I can go first. Uh, absolutely, make a, make okay. a look roll and do what you do best. Okay. Uh, is, uh,
3: that is a dirty 12. Uh, okay, just pause on that dirty 12 for a second. Um, uh, yeah, hold that for a second. Adam, what, what was your, what's your first action gonna be as well? If, we'll, we'll start this with a contested roll as usual. Um, so what, what is the puzzler
2: doing first? Uh, he is going to uh, signal to his, uh, his his army of henchmen, uh, get him boys, I need those glasses. So you can roll on look for that. Oh, my first roll of the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a uh, look roll, was it? Mm-hmm. Smashing. That is eight. That is eight. Okay, so... As your yeah
3: your your puzzle um puzzle pieces my puzzle pieces as your puzzle pieces assemble around you and swarm towards the librarian he retreats into himself and librarian take us through what happens
4: um, inside the inside the librarian's mind this astral projection shoots across the universe and arrives uh, hurriedly at the cosmic library um, he begins to books begin to fly off the shelves in, in sort of uh, as he reaches out his hands one lands in one hand one lands in the other one this one is catch as catch can 22 and he flicks through it and learns the mastering the arts of greco-roman literature, literature wrestling on the other hand is the graps of wrath by john steinbeck the page numbers are all completely make no sense but it's a pretty damn good read he puts them down and phoom, he's back in his body ready to wrestle with these guys
3: OK, so we have a swarming army of puzzle pieces, and a combat expert, former of the librarian man. Uh, Adam, how do the
2: puzzle pieces attack? Um, so for starters, uh, they are a slightly bit of a, a ragtag bunch. they all swarm at once, as uh, basically a group of uh, individual uh, wrestlers, sort of like ants swarming uh, over a bit of cheese. And how do you respond?
4: Uh, i 'm going to attempt to slide out of the way and then hopefully string together some moves
3: and take them all out um, I would say okay so you, you you're you're, you're successful in giving you the ability to fight so i I guess we will still say that the your combat role is here is a is a look role because it is connected to the the books you've read Okay. Oh. Uh, that is a seven that's just enough um you are easily outnumbered by these um these fighting puzzle pieces you are a- you are able to sort of hold your own and get to where you need to get to um okay so I, I slip out
4: from underneath one of them i run into the ropes and i come back out the first one with a huge the lion the witch and the clothesline knocking him off his feet i slide Bip. under the next one i jump up onto the turnbuckle doing the jane air as i splash down onto the next one Pow. i lock one uh, i grab one trip one up and I grab the legs and I figure four them into the 1980 figure four under the watchful eye of Big Brother as I'm saying, you have been arrested for thought crime! Uh, I then hit one of them, put one on my shoulders and I hit the encyclopedia as I do a big F5 spinning him off into the distance. Sock!
3: Um, your, Your puzzle pieces lay scattered like a child has got upset with how difficult this picture is to put together. What are you doing, puzzler?
2: Well then... I didn't want to have to resort to this, but it's time to put these
5: pieces together. Beep!
2: Uh, and then suddenly, um, all the, like you, you hear the kind of the a thrum of uh, magnetic uh, machinery being turned on, pulsing. Suddenly, all the men, who are only semi-conscious, find themselves being dragged towards each other. And the puzzle pieces start to connect. One on top of the other until uh, what was an army of little thugs has now become one gigantic puzzle piece of one big thug, and the puzzle is of a lovely Victorian Christmas market. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I said, well, all for all as one, and one against all. Get him, boy. <laughs>
3: So make make a look roll to see how well that guess felt puzzle thug holds
2: together. That is a look roll, was it? Mm-hmm. Six. Six. That um, this this <laughs>
3: this puzzle thug um, starts to move. You know, first the sort of fireplace steps down on one foot, and the next foot is a little kind of curled up cat. And then one of the sort of fist starts to swing around, um, and it's oh, so it's marketplace. Sorry, I was thinking. I've got Victorian fireplace in the mind. Yeah, it's like a, a, a vegetable stool for the left foot in that case and a, um, yeah, like a, a scarf stool for the right one. And then the fist has a little urchin on the end who's like running away with some apples in his bag. Um, mm-hmm. And the uh, the right is a, a rather confused looking member of the gentry who's just stepped into the wrong part of town. Um, but as it starts to lunge towards the library man, the unfortunately still not quite conscious pieces um, start to lose their lose their, um a cohesion and the puzzle starts to rattle and shake um and struggle to keep its footing what are you doing library man
4: i very quickly need to pop to my library
3: <laughs> um okay make a make a look roll uh
4: that is an eight oh, god damn it so <laughs> poof, across the universe i'm there <laughs> poof, uh, a book appears in my hand i have a quick read Close it, chuck it back on the shelves all the way back across the universe as the Lumbering beast is coming towards me the the sort of urchin fist I've just read a book on crowd psychology and I just whisper <laughs> into its ear. You can rise up and overthrow this puzzle lad
3: Okay So I think I'm gonna want that look roll to be contested with the puzzlers look roll to see how loyal his pieces are <laughs>
2: I created you. I could destroy you. Uh, oh, I've got ten. That beats mine. Um, Adam, uh, how I, do they stand by you? <laughs> I, I send uh, vicious electro shocks through all of their suits, and the shocks will continue until morale improves. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah, I basically. Um, Yes, it, it, I try and drown him out with, with, with pain and, and with suffering and I scream, spittle, uh, getting all over my perfect box as I bang against the side of, of my puzzle box. Get
0: him, get those glasses, do your job! <laughs>
3: Um, Okay, your electroshock therapy has successfully encouraged um, cohesion amongst your troops, or at least it's discouraged anything other than cohesion, Um, and they lunge towards the library man man and you. Um, What are you doing, library man? Uh, I remember uh, a book that I read. Uh, Where I read the fable
4: of David and Goliath and I say time for some knowledge bombs and I start to throw books at the head of the uh, Construct in the hopes of blinding it. Okay, that (laughs) is
3: that is gonna be a work roll. I think that's aim based We're gonna roll in your work for this one That is That is a six. That's a six. Um, So what are you aiming at exactly? I'm aiming at the head. Aiming at the head Yeah, um the these books, um, their aim isn't bad like it it, some of them collide with the side of the piece uh, in the center but As strong as you are, you're not not physically strong enough to turn a hardback into a powerful enough missile to disconnect uh, an electrostatically encouraged uh, giant
2: puzzle robot. What are you doing, Puzzler? I'm going to supercharge my remote controls and send one last um, incredibly powerful vault of energy through my puzzle pieces with the hope that it kind of pushes them that one final step to completely uh, destroy um, the library man. Okay, that'll be a look roll,
3: um, and we're going to need, uh, we'll have like a, a contested, how are you going to defend against this? No time No time to retreat to the library, how are you going to defend against so this? So he is going to try to crush me, I guess. I'm going to just dive out the way. <laughs> so that's going to be work against
2: look. Your work, library man, puzzlers, look. Ah, uh, with my plus two, that is four. I was three. Wait, how my sex I? That, oh. That's a critical fail. Oh, my <laughs> <holy laughs> Saved. So, I was as it's like one plus one, two plus two <laughs> is four. So, okay, oh, one that's... last push, White.
3: One, one last push from these insubordinate um, servants of yours, these disposable red shirts. Um, in in multi-sided shapes, you press the button hard for that last powerful electric shock. High voltage energy courses through the body of each and every one of your loyal puzzle pieces. (laughs) Um, They scream in agony, which to you, I guess, sounds like a scream of obedience. Um, (laughs) But then the screams start to die down and the sound of screaming is replaced by the smell of something cooking. Oh. And as this unpleasant odor reaches both of your nostrils, the, uh, this jigsaw puzzle, giant thug, Victorian marketplace, just collapses. Boom, 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 boom. All the pieces fall down, and, and everything is just basically ash. Um, not ash, but like burnt and charred and disfigured. And the only image that remains clear on the very top of this pile, just a little corner of one piece, a little happy golden retriever pup yipping away at nothing in particular. <laughs> um, your puzzle pieces are down. Um, library, man, what are you doing? I'm holding a copy of little fires everywhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I,
4: I, slam it shut and I am going to try to close the distance to the perspex box. Um, that's is it, ins- it is suspended above the ring. Yes. From the ceiling. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll try to leap up there. Maybe I'll, yeah. uh,
3: you, you, can make, you can make a work or a power roll to leap up the pile of um, slaughtered uh, henchmen to get to the perspex box. Why sure. do my henchmen always perish? <laughs> I'll go for a power roll, which is a dirty 12. Dirty oh. 12, yeah. You, you, you bound up like a sexy gazelle man. <laughs> um, there's, there's more swooning from the audience. Um, and uh, yeah, within no time at all, you reach the perspex box and you're clinging onto it. Um, Puzzler, you're inside. What are you doing? <laughs> Fuck.
2: Um, <laughs> uh, okay, I, I press the button on the side. Um, the floor opens, and I kind of try and drop uh, out of the uh, puzzle box to the arena floor.
3: Make a make a power roll to see if you can sit. Sa- and power roll work to land that on um, land safely on the ground.
2: Uh, my power is minus two. My work is plus one. So I'll go with that. Uh, that is ten. Oh,
3: yeah, you managed to land um reasonably gracefully on the ground like a cowardly cat um, and you're now, you're now just standing amidst the remains of your, your guest out puzzle. What are you doing, Library Man? Like, what are you doing, Library Man? I am going to attempt to drop down right in front of him. Um, work roll. We'll do for that, I think. Uh,
4: that is, I think, only a six. Yeah, I want to roll again. Uh, this, I believe that this is important. This is uh, standing up for what I believe in, which is me looking cool. <laughs> <laughs> That is actually true. That's what he yeah, believes in. That
3: <laughs> it's not gone well on the second one. It's a three on the second one. <laughs> oh, um, no. Okay, so you get, yeah, um, you, you drop down, but as you fall, you kind of stumble across the, um, you land on this pile of like bodies and pieces and stumble and fall and boom, you fall flat on your back. It's really quite a comical fat fall. Pratfall, and to be honest, you look quite the fool. Puzzle, what you see now stand like collapsed on the ground in front of you from the fall is a... Uh, like after that embarrassing fall and stumble, all you can really see is a, a nerd in glasses who's made a fool of himself. And there starts to be a chuckle from the audience, a little bit of laughter. Um, <laughs> um, not sort of appreciative laughter, but almost a tone of derision in it. Shh!
2: Don't laugh at him. Just because he's not athletically gifted. Just because he prides his brain over his brawn. There's nothing to laugh at. And I... I realise that what is a villain? Uh, what am I, if anything, without a hero? And I reach down to to help him up.
3: Okay, librarian, what are you doing?
2: Uh, as this is happening, as he reaches out
4: his hand, I'm kind of getting these these flashbacks um, to, to things that were said to me by the librarian in the cosmic library. You see, but you do not observe rings in my head. People are very much alike, really. The truth shall set you free. So as he pulls me up to my feet, I tell him to back off for a second. And I take the glasses off and the facade begins to drain away. The The cape that's made of cardigan falls from my shoulders. Uh, you, you sort of, the, the outfit is ill-fitting. And what stands in front of you is, what looks like a high school boy. And he says, you want to try them, try them. I think you might get more out of them than I am.
2: I, I take the glasses. I say, thank you. This, I've lived most of my life what I can remember of it, like a puzzle. Scattered pieces all over the place. I think, I thought I was looking for a hero. Instead, I was just looking for someone to complete me. I I take the glasses uh, and I put them on. Oh. Well,
8: (gasps)
3: well, well, and you see the form of the puzzler start to shift and change. Where this sort of nebbish nerdy face is, the cheekbones become higher and more defined until a very well-bred, very handsome face replaces that of the nerdy Brian Fuddle. The frame swells and builds, the muscles grow until you find yourself looking up at a seven-foot-tall t- seven man of impeccable breeding. The black and white suit the puzzler wears shifts to a dull green, and the little puzzle symbol on top of his staff turns and becomes a familiar curved symbol, which now changes and solidifies and defines into a question mark. The A small row of... Chrome green ring droids start to emerge from outside the ramp, and the symbol on their chests also change and define to a question mark as well. Well, well, well. Who was the puzzler? Nobody? A conceptual convenience? An intellectual illusion? A trap? A better query. Who is the question collector?
8: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and now it is time for answers. He puts his hands to the frames of the glasses and adjusts them and briefly just seems to disappear into itself. as it's that familiar look of like eyes oh, moving at rapid speed, um, a kind of a cosmic sheen glossing over the lenses. And suddenly a look of interest and confusion. He shakes, and as he shakes, a vial of something falls out of his jacket pocket. A test tube smashes against the ground, and there are a few remaining drips of heavy purple blood in it. He shakes and breathes deeply for more and then suddenly still Quasar Quantum Quentin He now strides long, tall strides across the arena to the point where Rick Thunder and Danger Zone and Tim Quick disappear back into the past. Picks up A small circular device crushes it in his hand. And as he opens it, little electrical sparks and blobs of purple plasmid energy start to shimmer in his palm and grow wider and wider and wider and wider until a rift in space-time enters. Walking on his cane, he presses one button on the top of the question mark and the audience shimmer and shine and then, boom, disappear with an electrical sound. He presses another and you hear, (laughs) Explosions start to come from off beneath the complex deep into the rear from all around the building I have so much work to do and the question collector steps through the hole in the space-time continuum and it closes behind him as The complex where Superclash is built starts to explode and be destroyed And that's all for this time CBW (laughs) See you next time
2: We hope you enjoyed this month's one shot. Uh, please check back in July for the next one. If you want to help us choose a setting for that one shot, then go to patreon.com forward slash no-rolls-barred like these legends. You see scrolling at the bottom of the screen. Uh, there you can see bonus content, you can get an exclusive Patreon t-shirt, you can even help us choose where we're going next in this crazy extended no-rolls-barred universe. We will see you back here next month, please subscribe to hearts fun known and never forget to jam that jam
0: Ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is out there, especially with the recent hacks at some big phone and healthcare companies. But here's where Aura steps in. Aura scans the dark web for your sensitive information and sends real-time alerts. Aura also actively requests that your information be removed from data broker sites, putting you back in control. Aura provides you with a complete online safety toolkit: credit and transaction monitoring, a secure password manager, a privacy-enhancing VPN, parental controls, and more. Try Aura risk-free with a 14-day trial at aura.com/safety. That's a u r a.com/safety. Rest easy with Aura. Visit aura.com/safety today.